0: Friday, January 25th, 2019, and you are tuned into season three, episode four of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. <speaking in foreign language> And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking TakeOver, Royal Rumble, and guests from literally around the globe. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at htmpwpod, Facebook hitting the marks, twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks, and email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy from the Wednesday locker room, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show.
1: It's me. It's me. It's that R of the beat of the V. Rick Vickery here again. Hitting Arts Pro Wrestling Podcast. I tell you what, I, I I'm over the top. This is one of my favorite weekends of professional wrestling uh, because when it comes to a, a good old-fashioned battle royal, I, mean, I am such a sucker. And then when you make it a gauntlet battle royal, of course, I'm talking about the Royal Rumble match itself, one of my my favorite gimmicks in all professional wrestling. Uh, the hype up or down, it, it doesn't matter to me. This is you know even more than WrestleMania. I look forward to this event than any other uh, when it comes to the WWE universe.
0: We will talk a bit about the Royal Rumble and Takeover Phoenix in segment two. We've got a couple of big interviews coming up. One with Mr. Rory Coyle from North Wrestling there in Northern Ireland. And then Huckleberry, we have Miss Thunder Rosa joining the show a little bit later on. Of course, we know her from the Women of Honor and as well as WoW and Lucha Underground. She That girl works her ass off.
1: You know what? Sorry, I, I cut. I cut in here, man. And is blowing me up, so I had to tell him. But yeah, you're right, man. You got so much going on to on today's show. You, you have some great interviews, man. You are you're turning into you're like the. I was trying to. Yeah, I was thinking about the, the great interviewers of you know throughout the perils of of you know journalism. But I wanted to be a little trendy, and I realized I'm not that trendy. I don't even know like who's cool, who's doing this stuff today. Uh, so I guess the best I could come up with you're like you're like the Brian Seacrest. A professional wrestling
0: Hey man I'll take it anytime I can get Mentioned with Seacrest I will take it Maybe we'll start ending the show with Jargo out Um, I, I guess Before we jump into the big headlines From this weekend we do have some news That we wanted to touch on here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast and Huckleberry I wanted to start hey. Velveteen Dream Hit it Yes, with the Velveteen Dream. Now, this may seem like an odd place to start because he's not on TakeOver. We did see them start doing an angle last night where Dream is going to be coming after the North American Championship. And we saw Adam Cole. I, I kind of expect that we're going to get Adam Cole versus Velveteen on next week's NXT, which will be filmed at TakeOver. Uh, But Rick, Velveteen is doing something very, very interesting with his social media here. So much so... Triple H felt the need to address it on the conference call yesterday, or maybe somebody asked him about it and then he addressed it. Uh, there, there, there seems to be some speculation as to what's going on here: is is Dream's contract status going on? Is is he really wanting to get called up to the main roster and he's not happy being an NXT? And Hunter kind of talked his way around it. Rick, this is all a work. All the all, we're hearing all these talents asking for their release. Dream's just turning
1: it into a storyline because that's what Dream does. Well, you know, once again, look look at where he's made he's made hits out of other headlines essentially. Uh it, all the Hulk Hogan references that he has been dropping, you know, being an African American when that was the hot button. You know, the dream being the dream, man, he embraced that. And he turned that into a million dollar idea for himself. It's one of the things that he really is getting. And it is character over strong. And he knows how to take those certain situations. He knows how to you know, pull at the, the heartstrings of, of the Smarks, the Marks and the Marktards. He knows how to get, you know, get, get everyone kind of to fall back in line and start believing again. And, and that's what's going to, you know, ultimately that's where he is going to succeed. You now in the ring so far. He's had, you know he, he's been revered for some tremendous matches, uh, but you know he kind of tends to have that NXT feel with him where, of course, you know you're, you're practicing that match, you're going over that for a few weeks and you hit your big spots. There he still needs to be able to show that he can put things together, especially when he moves away from that NXT environment, gets on the road with the red and the blue. But you know, beside that, when you just go back to the basics of what it takes to succeed in this business, yes, he has that right now. He has a character. He gets he gets how to work it, and for that, man, that's that's one of the reasons. You know, I think that that's why he's going to have a great future. Where a lot of people think, oh, it's you know, it's his end ring, blah blah blah. It has nothing to do with that. It's that he knows how to work you.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Uh, Where do you think this is going? I guess that's the big question. Now we've really seen this ramp up over the last couple of weeks. Rick, I think we're going to end up with Velveteen Dream versus John Cena at WrestleMania.
1: I don't know if we're going that far. I know that rumor's been out there. You know, it's getting uh, you know on both sides of the fence. A lot of a lot of great buzz, though. You know, those that are are pro or those that are con. I ultimately think, and I I think it's a, it's a little premature to rush him to that level. I don't think he needs a goat right this year. I don't think he needs to be involved at WrestleMania. You know on that stage. I don't think he needs to be going to Raw or SmackDown. What I would love, though, which would you know, add more fuel to this fire, uh, that would really get people riled up when he doesn't make that move from NXT. I would still absolutely love to have just a showcasing in the rumble. You know, where we've seen people come up just to get their name out, get them familiar. And and I think when he doesn't show up the next you know night on Raw or on SmackDown, oh you know, sparks, smarks, smarks, all their heads are going to be exploited Where's he at? What are they doing? He's back. What, what happened? He's back in NXT. And I think it's, and you're still, I think the hottest route you can go with him is to give him that NXT championship for one hell of a run through the summer.
0: I could see it. I, I could absolutely see them going this way. And, you know, I'm not nearly as down on it as people would think that I would be. I, for a long time, have advocated for Dream to stay in NXT for another two to three years but, Rick, I, I kind of like this matchup. I kind of like Velveteen Dream versus John Cena on a WrestleMania stage. We don't know how many more WrestleManias we're going to have John Cena to be putting guys over. Dream is one of those guys that I think really benefits from the Cena rub, although I don't think that the Cena
1: rub is nearly as good as it used to be. Well, you know, you're just talking about just getting a big win. You know, the most, you know, what's really going to sell this thing, I won't really it'll have some big moments in the match of course because you got guys that are built around spots like that. Uh but in the build, I would have a little bit of concern that Cena might outshine him. Ooh, that's a good that's a nice touch.
0: Uh you know what I think I would do because dreams doing this whole thing like with his contract and they're not paying me enough. I want John Cena to come out and be like, I will put up my own money. You get this son of a bitch here cuz I want to kick his ass.
1: Uh, again, though, I mean, does that really play into the John Cena narrative? I, I just—it depends I on how what,
0: much Dream's going to trash him on social media.
1: I, I'm trying to think now, off the top of my head, because it kind of just came to me with that Cena thing. You know, is Cena the right opponent? I'm obviously, you know, Cena is still you know one of the most recognized, you know, true mega stars in that of a you know the company of superstars. He is a mega star. You know, anytime you're going to get involved with him, it, it's going to give you you know tremendous shine. A tremendous opportunity to grow as a performer. I just, I still just question. You know, is Cena, is Cena the right person? You still want someone with strong character uh, that that's going to be able to go back and forth and really fill that. But I would really, you know, I I'd be wary of of Cena shining too much
0: we're gonna talk about John Cena and WrestleMania a little bit more a bit later on because Rick I think they're already starting to build to WrestleMania 36. uh I think these two stories kind of go together <clears throat> because dream is really really exposing this. should WWE be concerned about aew and what they have going on right now inside of the company uh should they be no, I don't think so. are they? I I feel like they're a little caught off guard now of course WWE officials are saying no we're not concerned about AEW it's not even on our radar the focus is on WrestleMania and then on the conference call uh, yesterday I guess it was as we're recording this somebody asked Triple H about AEW and Hunter starts cracking jokes and he's like what's AEW (laughs) <laughs> kind of laughing under his breath. And then he says, of course, you know, we're we're monitoring all content providers because that's what we really view as competition. It's not just AEW. It's everything that's on television. And Rick, they're absolutely threatened by AEW here.
1: I don't really, you know... How much, you know, I, I, I understand they are aware, they're obviously aware of AEW. They know that there is this great buzz circulating. I, I think, though, they're being a lot more made of it by fans. Every time you hear anybody making a move in the business, it's immediate, oh, AEW. Why aren't they going to AEW? Oh, they want to go to AEW. To, I to, right to now, put I'm that gonna... in
0: context, not to cut you off, I was in a different group yesterday because I belonged to several different wrestling groups, and they had just discovered the Muhammad Hassan return. Of course, in the Hameen Media discussion group, we've been talking about this for months because Greek God was involved with it and the Ayatollah bin Hameen was involved with it. So we all saw it happen in real time. But in this other group, they had just noticed it. And somebody immediately makes a comment. God, I hope AEW scoops him up.
1: It's like, yeah, everybody's rushing. Everyone is rushing to that. Was this group? What what is this? The Saudi group? How How far behind are they? But. See, look at you, you have been bashing. if you're over there trying to get your own blood money. That's what the hell you've been doing, Jargo. Yeah,
0: it's right. You know, just like the media, I'm trying to take them down from the
1: inside. But no, I think I think ultimately if you're the top brass, especially if you're a you know a Vince McMahon, he's probably heard of it. He's probably getting briefed on what's going on. You've got look, you've got the you know, the bottom of the barrel level kind of people keeping an eye on something like that. By the same people that go out and check out the sheets, what's being said, and it trickles up a little bit. But I really don't believe, you know, that Triple H even, in, you know, on his level, is taking really any bit of his time to really research what's going on there. If he sees a headline, probably something like that, it's something what Jericho probably catches his eye. But you know, right now, I was talking about this over on Wednesday in a locker room with with fellow and and Billy Ray, and I kind of said to get a row out of him. You know, I call it, you know, right now, it's still, it's not a real promotion to me. Not until you know, there's TV. It, not, until not until there's TV or, you know, they're really off the ground. You know, right now, it is a tremendous hype machine. And, yes, we're all rooting for it because we need something like this in professional wrestling. We need something to, to you know, while wrestling is on a rise again, it's, it's really not booming quite yet. And something like that can trigger that. So, we're all rooting for that. But, right now, it, it's not really a reality until we got hard figures and hard television. You can tell us all the hype and and promises and what your goals are, all you want, but until you lock it down, it's not a reality. So WWE, you gotta you gotta take a step back. You know, it's been a long time since they've had a challenger like this, but they have had many. And you know, if you look at that track record, they all have fallen. And and there's a reason they're damn good at what they do, and they are juggernaut. While
0: there's nothing about it on the run today, have you had an opportunity to watch the latest episode of Being the Elite? Uh, I have not yet. Uh, we're on, also, which one was the last one? Um, the one where they sign, uh, pre- I uh, shoot, what's his name now? The professional Peter Avalon, where where Cody brings in Peter Avalon and and signs him to a million dollar contract with AEW, and then the Bucks come in and they're like, "Wait, you did what? No, you can't do that." Like we're we're all executive vice president, and they end up firing the professional Peter Avalon and taking their hoodie back and okay, everything. That's
1: what happened. I started watching it, something happened, and I haven't been back to it.
0: Okay, but Rick, we're already teasing this. We're already teasing dissension amongst the executive vice presidents. We're only a couple of weeks into this thing. I I I feel like we're
1: moving way too fast. Well, and that's another thing, you know. And it's them. It's these guys having fun, you know. And I wonder if we're going to get to a point where we have to actually separate being the elite from what's going on with this business. Is being the elite continuing just to kind of be that that rib, if you will, on the you know, those guys just having fun. They're just, you know, it's what they want to do. Are they going to have to draw a fine line there to keep people split? And and then do you eventually get to a point where if you are doing that with being the elite, that it hurts your product, you know, the all elite product?
0: Yeah, because, you know, in one breath, you know, they're talking about how being the elite may just become more of a, a video blog and kind of a an update central, like a weekly news outlet for what's going on with AEW. And then they're also doing the being the elite shtick. And it's like I, I kind of like I rag on the WWE. I need a narrative. I, I need to
1: follow one narrative, just establish what it is so that we all know. Well, I think, you know, this goes back to, you know, it's just that the hate for the machine, you know, WWE does stuff like this and they're getting blasted. They are getting slammed left and right. You know, they try to do something cutesy through social media or, you know, their YouTube channels, things like that. And, and everyone is jumping, chewing them to pieces. But when you get on that other side, because, you know, Cody and the Bucks and the Boys, they're not the machine. They're, they're not the big corporation, the man holding you down. They, they've they always gotten that pass. Well, That worked, you know, when they were just the boys having fun and they weren't traveling to all the different promotions, all the different territories around the globe, that worked. But now you're starting, now you're setting up a big corporation. You're gonna be up there challenging, you know, the giant. And and, you know, when when do those little, you know, forgivenesses from the fans start to fade?
0: Yeah, they they absolutely have a lot of good faith built up right now, and we're we're already seeing it start to crack just a little bit amongst that core demographic where we want answers, we need to know what's going on, we want to support this project, but on the other hand, we're
1: we're a very impatient society. Well, and I always you know just continue to say here, you know, it, it is everybody wants that instant gratification. You, now is when we need it. Well, it, when it comes down to it, you know, it goes back. Everyone's a little upset. And, you and I were a little bit, we wanted maybe some more details. I know you were real big on the television. I just wanted to know a little bit of the business plan. I, I think they gave me enough of what I needed at the pep rally, but they came out. It was a pep rally. You know And Everyone thought that they were just going to unfold everything. Like, like they were going to like march down to SmackDown that night and just like kick down the door, uh, you know, and just start taking you over the world of professional wrestling. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in any industry, but right now I, you know, maybe with their hype, they need to pull back a little bit because it's, It's maybe not, you know, they have fun. That's who they are. But you got a lot of impatient fans that are running with things a little too far. Yep. Completely agreed.
0: Let's uh, throw things over to Impact Wrestling a little bit because Huckleberry, they got kicked right square in the balls yesterday. We have uh, two people departing Impact Wrestling. And when you first hear this, I'm seeing people everywhere just lose their minds thinking that these are two in-ring talents that are leaving Impact and going to the WWE. And I I have to believe one of these guys might be in the Royal Rumble just as a one-off inside of the Royal Rumble. The other guy I don't think is going to wrestle at all. The first one being Abyss. The second one being Sanjay Dutt. Uh, Both leaving Impact Wrestling and they are going to the WWE. Now we don't know if it's going to be NXT. I've heard a lot of speculation that uh, Sanjay himself very well could end up being a two Oh five guy as a a backstage producer, which Sanjay and Jamie Noble put those two guys in charge of two Oh five live. And that absolutely sparks my interest. Uh, Rick, I think that the main connection here though, is Jeremy Borash. We're seeing all these production people that are leaving impact and they're, they're happening to end up in NXT I think Jeremy Borash has an awful lot to do with that.
1: Well, I say you know he, he's got that influence there. And, and I, first of all, congratulations to both of these gentlemen. Absolutely, you know they're they're, they're such journeymen, uh, such tremendous minds, and contributed so much to you know the world, the business of professional wrestling. Uh, especially, especially very happy to see a biscuit this opportunity to go get that nice payday, you know, and you know be it backstage. Or in the ring, you know, WWE's going to take care of you when it comes to cut those checks. Abyss uh, cut his teeth in professional wrestling uh, right here, where I'm at in, in Southern Ohio, Southwest Ohio. He broke in with the Northern Wrestling Federation as Prince Justice. I don't know how many people will remember. He actually had wrestled originally when he debuted for TNA at the first uh, at the first show. He was wrestling as Justice, uh, big old blue spandex suit. Every time he come out to the ring, his you know one of the bigger guys in the promotion. Uh, just the, the chance of blueberry. Uh, is what I remember. I, I think my first. I think well, not my first. One of my first memories, but my favorite memories of, of Prince Justice Abyss is him and Wildcat Harris. They they lit up Southern Ohio. A, a very intense feud uh, back and they pretty much put uh, the NWF here on the map. And NWF still operating today, uh, so they've had great success here. But uh, Prince Justice Abyss and his uh, his cronies, they're in there beating Wildcat down with a chair. Uh, and this old toothless guy that's standing behind me and some of my buddies, like darts a wooden fold- folding chair and hits Abyss right in the side of the head. And we're like, "Holy, like, holy shit!" Did that just happen? And this toothless guy just sitting there like, it's not "The bitches are cheating!" It's not the bitches are cheating. See <laughs> so he's oh, trying to hide. Awesome. He's trying to hide behind us. You know, I was about the same height there. You know, in the high schools I had now, so. Not a small guy, but I'm sitting there with a couple of offensive linemen. So we've got this decent sized wall, you know, and he's sitting there trying to hide from security. They're trying to get their way through us to get to this guy who just darted a chair at Abyss. Uh I, I don't know, man. Just to see where he's come, you know, to see him start there all the way through everything he was able to accomplish in impact wrestling. You know, you had the talk at some point where he was, you know, had the offer to go take on to be an opponent for Undertaker. Uh, At WrestleMania, which would have been a great.
0: Man, I tell you what, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I would have loved to have seen that match.
1: Right. And I don't, you know, people are still talking about that. I don't think there's any interest there, even anything with him and Kane. If you were going to do anything with Abyss in ring, uh, I think, you know, who could really benefit from it is Braun Strowman. To have someone of that size that looks comparable on television, and then they could really get out there and teach him a thing or two about working as a big man, about. Character, you know how to handle yourself on the microphone. Yeah, I think you know someone like like Braun would benefit greatly from that. There's other big men there, you know, maybe like a Lars, you know, who all, his is facing so many personal issues anyway, just trying to get out there. Maybe you have someone like Abyss that can mentor him and, and lead him down that road towards greatness. You know uh, who like- it's going to be. You know who I
0: want Abyss to take under his wing. Our good friend Punishment Martinez.
1: Well, yeah, punishment's, punishment is great. Uh, Keith Lee, I think what this what this really helps with, if you look back over maybe, I don't know, the last five, eight, ten years, WWE's really gotten into signing those, what you see more athletic indie style guys. You know, people that, that kind of can tilt between that 205 to that lower heavyweight, you know, between 195, 220, 225. But now what we've seen in the last couple of years We've seen that resurgence of. there are signing those bigger men. They're, they're athletic, you know. But they, you kind of got that more signature pro wrestling style. We got some bulk coming back, and someone like Abyss is going to help lead the way for that next crowd.
0: Dijakovic, could you imagine him working with
1: Abyss? Hell yes. Uh, I think you know he's gonna he's gonna be a, a driving force behind these true heavyweights going forward. And I guess on the other side of Dutt, like you were saying. Maybe two hundred five. Can you think of a, maybe a better hand to help lead that? Someone who oh, was, man. you know, helped that was there to help craft the last, you know, North American breakout for the High Flyers in the X Division. I mean, Absolutely. there isn't anything he hasn't done there, and he's, you know, he he's great on the creative side. He's worked as a producer. Uh, I I don't think with him. Uh, I guess the word is that he cannot go any longer in the ring. Uh, the injuries have just caught up to him. It just isn't wise for him. Right. But you know, both of these guys as as generals leading leading the charge for the future i mean you got to have high hopes
0: man and i tell you what they are assembling a creative team down there in nxt that is second to none there if you are a great mind inside of the wrestling business triple h wants you whether it's on screen or not i do expect abyss to be in the rumble
1: on sunday do you (sighs) i didn't you know i really hadn't thought about till you brought it up here Do you think ultimately for the WWE universe, he's had enough exposure or will it be kind of one of those low key, great moments for those that do live outside the universe? But my only worry is there, you know, to me, I think it's, it's almost, you know, a stupid question to ask. Like, you don't know who Abyss is, but you know, it's the same thing that, you know, when people say, you know, you don't know, you don't know who the young bucks are. I mean, you got to look at this one. We see someone get, you know, move over from NXT to the red or blue and they get a lackluster response. It just becomes obvious That the vast majority of those watching WWE that are part of the WWE universe, that's all they watch. That's all they know.
0: I agree under any circumstance other than the Royal Rumble. I think the Rumble is the exception to that because number one, he's not going out there and working a full match. He can go out there, be out there for about five minutes and somehow miraculously get eliminated. Everybody goes home. But he's a big enough name that there's going to be enough people in the crowd that are going to pop. And then the casuals around them are going to go, oh, well, this is somebody we don't know. And that guy who's a big wrestling fan knows who he is and thinks this is really cool. So I'm going to pop,
1: too. It works at the Rumble, but not necessarily anywhere else. Well, and I think, too, I mean, let's look, you know, let's just look at his physical being. I think he, you know, he generates a pop because he looks like a monster. Yes. Yes. And it's it's not like they're just running out some 205 guy that, you know, looks like the guy sitting next to you. He just jumped the rail and ran into the ring this guy looks like a professional wrestler you know there's something pretty badass about him you know when he walks into that arena he's got that look and like you said you know a couple minutes in there and I think you know for you know more importantly for maybe those watching at home is how that the commentary puts this over you know you gotta let us know some backstory just don't act like a well, it's some some monster that crawled out of the locker in in Phoenix or something you know
0: As much as I rail on him, Michael Cole is the most vital person when it comes to a moment like that, because we saw him do it with AJ Styles. And when AJ came out and Michael Cole lets out with that, oh, my God, immediately you knew it was a big deal. Now, the way I would do it, I would have Kane come in at like, you know, number 11. Maybe there's like, you know, seven, eight guys. And then I bring Abyss in at 12 and just give me like 10, 15 seconds of Abyss and Kane clearing the ring and give me like a 20 second stare down between the two of them until they start brawling and they both go over the top rope. I would be totally fine with that as Abyss's contribution to the WWE universe
1: because he does
0: deserve that moment.
1: I, th- I think you know that is uh, you've earned it, and thank you. Yes and, and it puts you and it puts you up there against you know. Ultimately, you know, everyone was talking about you know the the match proposed with him and Taker, but the comparisons were Kane. Yes, because you know that they work so much like like one another, the mask, the get up, and all that. That's where your comparisons came from. So I think yeah, that would be a tremendous moment, even if it, even if it is. And I hope that the you know that the fans realize it, appreciate it for what it is. Don't go overboard wanting more and more and more out of these two.
0: Yeah, if if you don't give me a this is awesome chant for Kane and Abyss standing in the middle of the ring staring each other down, Phoenix, your FQI just went to hell. Uh, Huckleberry, let's go ahead. uh, Let's throw things over to Monday Night Raw Uh, and, and what happened on Monday Night Raw because this is not good. This is not good at all, but I do find it kind of funny. This week's rating. 1.73, that is down from last year's rating of 3.01, and last week they were at a 1.89. Two weeks ago, they were up against the college football playoff, 1.64, New Year's Eve, 1.31, Christmas Eve, 1.22. So Rick, we're back to December 17th. That's what our jump for the week before the Royal Rumble has become. And that was the last week that they were opposite of Monday Night Football. They pulled a 1.74 against the last week of Monday Night Football. What's the excuse this week? Because we're at 1.73.
1: Well, I don't think there was. They weren't up against anybody. There wasn't anything going on. Because I know one time in there they got smoked. Or was that the SmackDown that bombed out? That was up against Trump. Uh, Trump and those Trump and Trump and the crew. That was SmackDown uh, two weeks ago. I think. Okay. It was. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, right now th- there was nothing opposing them. But wasn't it in here? I mean, we come out of the gate. They come, they were firing out of the gate. They had their highest first hour. What's it like mid September? Since September 17th. 17. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So
0: 2.840 million in the first hour. That's a pretty good number. They would be happy with that.
1: Yeah. Here's your problem. And this goes back, and I'm not going to put this on any of the town. I, I know you were. You, you had a, a, a good laugh. You took a shot at Ronda over there uh, and Hameen, you know, in the discussion group on Facebook. You know what? But here's what really got, got me. And I brought this up in a live discussion. It, it hit me going into the third hour. They made one mention of that main event at the top of the show. And then nothing, nothing about it until the segment before the match. They jammed it all into the last, what, 45, 30 minutes of that show. Yeah. Why are we not getting a bill? Why are you not reminding us throughout this thing? You're getting Ronda Rousey on television. And she she's teaming up with her friend Natalia and they are taking on two other very popular superstars in Sasha Banks and Bailey. We get no mention of that.
0: I'm not going to put this all on Ronda. I think there's another part to this equation as well. Uh, so they do 2.840 in the first hour. That's the best in September 17th. Second hour... They dropped 400,000, 2.403, okay? The third hour, this is where things get absolutely incredible. They drop all the way down to 2.143 for that third hour. The average is 312,000. That was the average for 2018, 700,000 this week. But it's not all about the Rousey and Sasha thing, and it's not them all about just not advertising that match. What started the third hour? What started the third hour was the moment of bliss, which was absolutely freaking ear-bleedingly numb, awful. I would have changed the channel, too, if I was watching that live. With all the girls coming out and raising all that hell, just being catty and screaming at each other, I would have changed the fucking channel, too.
1: I actually did turn away at that point. I, I just, I kind of flipped away because I couldn't take it. My ears couldn't take it. Exactly. Uh, so I flipped away. And by the time, but when you flip away, all it takes is a minute or so to find something else to grab your interest. And then before you know it, you know, and that's the whole, like I didn't, I ended up, I watched, I think I went over there was something on the Simpsons that caught You know, that was one of my favorite episodes. So I watched that. So by the time that episode ended, Oh crap, I, I gotta go back to the And that's when I caught the main event. Yep. You know, Cause it was coming out of here. So again, you know and. You know, I love where you're going there. I was going to take that shot. You know, get everybody mad here. Women just dived when they had the spotlight on them in that final hour. It was all about the women's division there. Uh, But, you know, I think, you know, ultimately that first hour was good. You had a lot. It was pretty hot. You know, what are you going to do with Finn there? I wasn't really a fan of how they presented him, but that again proves that he has a faithful, loyal backing. They are going to support him. I like the segment. I know it's getting, you know, dumped on a little bit, but I like the, the pose-off segment. I thought it was something different. You were, you were giving me a little intrigue. It was the most personality that I've seen out of Apollo Cruz since joining the WWE. You got to see a little bit of what a Nation was about, and that's what he needs to shine. But then again, you have that great segment. You could have let that thing go at the pose-off. You know, let him have a little bit of shine there. Body kind of storms off. He's mad. Leo's got to regroup. But no, they come back from break and give us the match and and, and crush the whole thing. So we got what you could have had of maybe a month worth of storytelling here. You, you just killed it all in two segments. So
0: basically what you're saying is they did about six months worth of creative in about six minutes. Yes.
1: I mean, that's where we go back to.
0: Not that we've hey. ever
1: accused them of that before.
0: And that was my problem, too. And especially doing it on MLK Day. I thought it was just kind of distasteful. No, w- why? I mean, you got two incredible physiques. I, I two incredible I wonder- physiques and they made the entire segment out. That was a comedy segment, dude.
1: No, it, was, it wasn't ultimately a comedy. Okay, yeah, you're getting a little pop here out of that. But it's about trying to get under the skin of Bobby Lashley. Like, dude, stop taking yourself so seriously, man. You're and not gonna end great. It, it,
0: I would have been fine with it if all they well, did so was – If they just did the Lashley posing, and this was a thing that they did for like two or three weeks, and then Apollo
1: comes out and makes a freaking joke out of it, I would have been fine with it. He has been posing. He's been doing that ever since. That's why he's been bending over, showing the glutes. But now because he's the intercontinental champion, they're going to put it on a bigger pedestal. You no, he's going to do a super showcase as your new IC champ. That's what the hype man put together for him. And I think everyone kind of blew it out of proportion that they think they got to go overboard with this ultimate respecting for MLK, like change the whole narrative. What what the hell did they want? You know, I, I heard people saying that, oh, it should have been Lashley or Apollo that gave the speech that Seth Rollins did. No, that would completely change that dynamic of that segment. And that's, that's not Bobby Lashley or Leo Rush's character to come out and do something like that. They're about themselves. They're about themselves in the moment. You know, I could see Apollo I see Apollo doing that, but then that changes the whole dynamic of this thing.
0: Here's the other part of that narrative that's really starting to irritate me a little bit. Uh, people do realize that Seth Rollins is a minority, right? So why wouldn't that's you? How's he a ha- minority? Oh, my God. His name is Lopez, for God's sake, man. That's an
1: adopted name. He's Armenian. That's a, a white race. He ain't Armenian. Ain't no yeah, way that kid's Armenian. Yo, look up. And it's an adopted name. That's from his stepdad.
0: I don't know. I don't buy it. Besides, I just... I,
1: That's from his stepdad. That's an adopted name. No, well, here's a good Do you really that. want to heal out there putting over MLK to begin with? No. No, no and I mean, that's what you don't want. And there's no one else in that position. That's what got me. People are upset about that. If Cena was still active like he was, he would have gave that speech. They're trying to position Seth to be that person that is the voice for the WWE universe. That's why we've seen him at house shows out there when they do a charity thing. He's the one collecting needs there on behalf of WWE when they're handing over the check or whatever. He's starting to get more involved in Make-A-Wish. That is his new role. You know the other thing on.
0: I noticed about Seth that they're doing with him? They're giving him the Shano pop. On SmackDown, Shane's the only one that's allowed to say what city they're in. On Raw, that's Seth. He's the only one that's allowed to say, oh, yeah, you know, Oklahoma City, Wichita, Kansas. He's the one that's allowed to say it. Nobody else on the roster can.
1: i say on the roster because Vince was dropping it left and right at the top of that show.
0: Well, that's it's Vince. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Right. What would you think of Vince losing himself on Monday Night Raw? Did you catch that?
1: What, what do we got now?
0: What was it? Vince completely lost himself during that Finn Balor promo. He starts yelling at Lashley, Bobby, uh, at uh, Brock, 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 don't go anywhere. And Finn, like, just straight up cut Vince off because Balor hadn't had the chance to, like, finish his promo and deliver the whole the real story of David and Goliath thing. And then Vince went right back to the spot and started calling Brock back again. It's like you could just see Vince was just like, oh, damn, I
1: fucked up. I, I don't know. Does Vince fuck up?
0: Well, he uh, he certainly did in
1: that or, instance. Or do, we, or do we get to the gorilla and he's like, damn it, buddy. When I go on the fly, you, you follow me. Don't you ever do that shit again. I guess we'll find out. Come <laughs> yeah, Sunday. We'll find out
2: Sunday.
1: <laughs> Uh Before we get to Sunday,
0: let's talk about Worlds Collide, Rick. This is a, a, a deal that's happening at Royal Rumble Access, and the network is going to film this tournament. It's going to be uh, 15 guys, right? 15 yep. guys, and then they're going to... I like this, concept. I think it's going to be a fun little concept. So they're going to have themselves a battle royal, and that's going to determine basically the seeding and the first-round matchups going through it. The talent's competing. Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Dominic Jijakovic. Puppy puppy monkey baby dominic dijakovic keith lee shane thorne mark andrews tyler Bate, travis banks jordan devlin zach gibson cedric alexander tony niece true Gulak, tjp and humberto carrillo uh so this is basically nxt versus nxt uk versus 205 live rick i don't really care I don't they're not giving this any kind of lip service the only time I've heard this really mentioned on WWE TV the only brand that's really making any kind of a deal about this is NXT UK
1: well you know what I, I gotta go to I gotta go back in the reasons that you're kind of maybe not so high on it the reasons that I am high on it, I think this is a tremendous feature for access. I think it's something that they need to apply to live events. They oh, I think it's cool for the live audience. I just don't care to watch it. Right. I th- well, I think you know, it's just be something. You know, we need something that that sets apart these specialty events like access, or you know, just when they come to Devonport, I have something special like that. If you knew you were going to get your own set of like little tournament, or like your own like King of the Ring tour, or like a, your own little mini. Royal Rumble with maybe like 15 people and it had different outcomes and different spots in each city, you'd be more inclined and want to go to those events instead of just, all right, let me see what they, what they did in Cincinnati last night. I know they're going to be here in two nights. I'm going to get the same matches, the same outcomes. You know, you, you make those things unique and not everything has to be overexposed or about a grander sh- scheme, you know, pushing forward for, for, you know, stories and plots like that. It, you can have those play into it, but make them unique for those that are in attendance there. Make them feel special. That's what WWE has lost. And that's why you see this tremendous drop here over the last couple of years with, with attendance at these at these house shows, live events, whatever you want to call them. And I think this is great for access, good for the people that are going to be there. That's why I was a huge fan of of the Cruz because they weren't going to broadcast that live there. Uh, obviously, we both tuned in and caught some of it on Honor Club, some of the highlights, and, and I'll do that with this, just to see if, you know what, how fun it was for those people there. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a nice spectacle.
0: Yeah. I think it's very, very cool for the access audience in that respect. I think it's really, really cool. I'm saying as like a special on the network, I, I don't need it. Just let this be for the access audience. Maybe show me the finals or something, but I don't need it on a grand stage. Well, I, I don't think need the whole tournament.
1: But ultimately you're a TV guy, man, you know, this you've already got cameras rolling there. You're looking for cheap, no cheap, uh, cheap content. Yeah, cheap content for the network. Hey, you got it already set up there. Just roll with it, right?
0: Yeah, I guess there is that. Uh, this one does kind of irk me, though. WWE, and they're not gonna. It's
1: not gonna be like a feature, is it? They're not gonna roll it out like the May Young, where we're gonna have all these. This is probably gonna be like a two-hour, like there's some highlights here and there, like like God, they I did with, so. with the Cruz. I hope that's yeah, all it is. Yeah, I I don't think they're rolling this thing out as like a May Young classic sort of deal. I hope not. I I think this is just going to be like a two hour special. We're going to show you the highlights and you'll probably get like the semifinals and the finals.
0: This I do not like at all. WWE has announced that they are going to be taping three episodes of NXT UK television this weekend during access, which will air next month on the WWE network. I do not like NXT UK tapings taking place anywhere, but in the UK.
1: Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent on this. I know that you've got a lot of the talent coming over here. Uh, you got your production and all that stuff, but you know, this already early in the game. It just no. seems insulting to the UK fans, doesn't it? Well, I mean, they get they get our NXT at times, and I'm sure that they can they will continue to get that. I could see where they, they're coming from that standpoint, but again, if you really want to, you know, draw that line in the sand and separate those. Because even over here, you know, their marketing of NXT UK is is pretty abysmal. You know, it's just, you know, we, we barely, unless you really go searching for it, we don't, really don't get a whole lot, you know, out of it weekly. I mean, they, they did a decent job with their takeover thing, letting us know on NXT programming. You hardly see anything from the red and the blue. You know, it, it kind of is its own entity. And that's what, what it was intended to be. We're supposed to be setting up these territories where when we do get something there. It is special i'm gonna be really interested to see the difference i think it's gonna be night and day when these things make error you're gonna be able to tell these crowds apart
0: oh yeah absolutely and that's half half of what nxt uk that's half of what makes it is that freaking ridiculous crowd
1: that's that's a spectacle all upon itself the only way i would have i would i'd be okay with not that i'm like hate it or anything it is what it is but i could see where it might be a a more of a positive if you're going to do nxt uk tapings here in the states i would have loved to seen them do like a marketing ploy with this thing where do it during wrestlemania weekend during that access but you get a free ticket if you buy a wrestlemania or book a package you got tickets or a package out of the uk we're gonna include this in there with you because we want to bring we want your energy here at WrestleMania for NXT UK. We want to, we want you to let them shine.
0: So coming up in segment two, we are going to have our second interview of the show, uh, as well as preview TakeOver Phoenix and the Royal Rumble. Rick, I guess let's go ahead and give them a little bit of a teaser for the Royal Rumble. As we're sitting here talking about NXT UK, we know there's going to be NXT UK talents in the building. Are you expecting anyone from NXT UK in the Royal Rumble?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, on the men's side, I, yeah, I'm expecting the champ. Uh, I think we're going to get done. Uh, we were talking about, you know, some monsters today. You want to talk about someone that a lot of people aren't that familiar with. Let's introduce him to the universe because he is going to get a pop, uh, Walter.
0: That's the one that I was wondering Let's, about
1: because you know Vince
0: would really, really like to see Walter up close and personal.
1: I, we we're talking about... You know some of those those big guys, man. This this could be one of the biggest rumbles that we've ever had. I mean, if you put a if Braun can go in this thing, uh, if we've seen him go on Monday, so it looks like he has Intel. been
0: cleared for limited contact, is what I've been told. Okay, that works
1: inside of a in a rumble match. Yeah, go in there, doing there, go in there, get a spot. You could have Kane in there. You could have Abyss. You could have Walter. Uh, maybe if you got someone coming from NXT, I, I think that would be. I you want to talk about beefing up the rumble. Actually, that's beefing up the rumble right there. Uh, but I think actually on the other side, the one I'm most excited to see, and hopefully she makes it into the matches, is uh, is Ripley. And it looks like there's a good possibility because she is going to. It looks like she's going to be working stateside from now on.
0: Look forward to that very very much. So speaking of the UK, let's go ahead and throw it over to our first interview. This gentleman comes to us from Northern Ireland, and Rick, I, I have to admit. This interview turned out a little bit strange. You know, when we, when we recorded the interview, I, everything seemed like it sounded okay, but I, I I think that maybe I I need to adjust the the tracking. What what does that even mean? Adjust the tracking. It seems that we have a, a couple of. Weird audio glitches inside of this interview So I I guess let's just let people hear it This is the interview I conducted the other day With Mr. Rory Coyle Who you'll be able to find in Defiant Wrestling As well as Insane Championship Wrestling He's made an appearance at Progress He's uh, quite the upcoming superstar in the UK Let's go ahead and throw it over to the interview With Pro Wrestling's Last True Sick Boy We'll be right back What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com presented by Hameem Media and in association with Last Word on Pro My name is Jargo, I'll be your host for the day, but join me in welcoming in our special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, he stands in at 215 pounds. Coming to us from Lake Eulade in Northern Ireland, you may know him from his appearances in Progress Wrestling, ICW Defiant, or as current reigning North Wrestling Champion. He is pro wrestling's last true sick boy, Mr. Rory Coyle. Mr. Coyle, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Um yeah I realize now I've got like more and more titles emerging at the start of my name so my intros take a lot longer
0: <laughs> Yeah I I have a, a, this this knack for laying out these long elaborate intros uh, so, Rory, before we jump into some current events, your training and such, the first question that we ask all of our guests on the show, when did you first discover your love of professional wrestling and who was on top? Who were you following? Just to provide our listeners with a little bit of context.
3: Um, so I think... Uh, oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to seem like a real old now. Um, I think when I started watching it, um my very early memories are are when my dad took me to see uh what would have been like a world of sport tour at the time so i obviously i'm from from ireland for like the uk and ireland so i remember being in like a super smoky um kind of like bingo hall watching two big guys just well, wrestle, I use the term lightly. And I was just captivated. I was just like, wow, this is unbelievable. And then obviously as I grew older. Um, so I remember that, like, being, like, super young. I was probably, like, five or six when I saw that. Um, and there was something about it that I was like, well, that's what I want to watch. And then obviously as I just grew up. I used to watch um, WWF. And uh, a lot of stuff, like, sticks out in my mind. It's like we used to do, like, tape share, because one of our friends had Sky. And it was on- so we would record the pay per views and the raws on like a VHS, ironically, and then uh, it would get passed through. And um, so for me, it was like early stuff. Like um, I didn't know why, but I was always like captivated by Jake Roberts. And now, when I'm older, I can know why. But like as a kid, I was always like absolutely mesmerized by Jake the Snake um, and guys like when fully absolutely mesmerized by Foley but when I was younger Jake the Snake The Undertaker uh, and weirdly IRS um, <laughs> Interesting um, and I I still uh, yeah I, I really have those uh, I still have those like Hasbros um, <laughs> from when I was a kid but there was something about Jake Roberts um, I remember dude with, like uh, with, like Rick Rude and stuff and I'd watch like old tapes of it and I just like there was just something about the guy that I was drawn to. One day, uh, um, and as I got older, like I would lean towards the guys like Stone Cold and like um, um Foley, uh, and then I like sort of look like how they got to where they were. So then I, I think it's weird, like when you're when you're a kid, you're kind of innocent when you're watching wrestling, and you're drawn to this stuff, but you don't know why. You can't put your finger on it. And then as you get older, you figure out like, all right, this is why, this is why I was captivated by the storyline. Or because I remember the, the Undertaker versus Undertaker. <laughs> and I was, oh, like, I re- I was there, there that too, came man. Over and over again until like wore out. You betcha. And I was like, oh, I don't understand what's going on. And when it went missing, and they had like, uh, did they have those like Leslie Nielsen um, like expose things where they're trying to figure out with them? So yeah, like a lot of those guys, um, like DiBiasi, kind of like that era um, was kind of like when I really like property of it but my earliest memory was like in that really smoky it was like a, it's now like an amusements place where like a load of like one-armed bandits and stuff um <laughs> there with my dad and my dad hated it um because he was like yeah it all looked so fake and stuff but that that was it that was like the day i kind of like fell in love with the rest.
0: Very cool. It's I hope inter- that answers the question. <laughs> it's, it, well, no, it's interesting yeah. because you, all those guys that you named off, the one thing that they have in common was always their delivery on the microphone. They were all very, very soft-spoken. You had to listen to them intently. And I see that come through in your promos as well.
3: Yeah, yeah It's. Uh, I think like like the Jake Roberts thing was like, I, I don't know the, it was just like the guy was just fascinating to me. And I think that's what it was. It was like he didn't need to shout and he didn't need to like make a big song and dance, but you would sit up and you would listen. Um and he had kind of like a charismatic cult leader feel about him, where it's like he's you, he's meant to be the bad guy, but you know like you can see like that little smile and you're like, Oh man, maybe maybe this guy's not the bad guy and he makes you second guess it and then obviously now when I go back and I watch it, I watch it with with kind of like a, like a more like in the business eyes and I can see what he was doing and why he was doing it but it was just like and I still think like like they see that stuff in my work um, because like those guys in me are just like they're the best they're the greatest of all time because they, they didn't they talk me into a building or they talked me into a pay-per-view they didn't need to put their boots on and I was in like they had me yeah. so I got on. like I kind of I try and do uh, it makes total hopefully, sense. Hopefully there's a smidgen of it.
0: <laughs> in doing my research for today's interview, Mr. Coyle, of course there's a couple of themes that tend to arise throughout your story, and one that seems to be almost as important as wrestling is a love of horror movies and really just cinema in general. What's the first horror movie that you remember seeing, and what other kind of movies are you into outside of the genre?
3: Um. So it's a weird one again it's like i remember um i think i said it in a promo uh for it might have been for defiant where i talk about about, uh, it's called o'donnell's video shop um and that's real like that's a real place from my childhood and i remember being like fascinated by the horror section of the video absolutely petrified by it at the same time so my earliest thing that i remember is a cover for um the movie house oh yeah um i was just like absolutely obsessed by and then i saw the cover for fright night which still to this day petrifies me and i've got like one in my garage uh, uh, um <laughs> but for me it was like the first um i remember watching loads of horror when i was a kid but like not really paying too much attention to it or it was like this dirty thing that i shouldn't be watching he then when i saw the first halloween um that was when i kind of went wow like not only to me halloween's like my favorite horror
2: movie
3: but like but this is like, this is like a proper movie as well, and um, just like the way they did, even just the shots and like the, the talk about Mike, Mike Myers, meet Mike Myers and stuff like that, and I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. So I became off the back of that. I became like a big Carpenter fan, um, and then and I slashed for stuff. But then outside of um, horror, like like we joke, uh, like. Um, partner, uh, Bass Band, and you always just call me movie boy, because if I'm not wrestling or doing videos, I'm generally in the cinema, like, I find that, like, super weird, um, <laughs> so I'll just kind of watch anything, like, I, I love Christopher Nolan, I love all the Christopher Nolan stuff, because he's, like, I think in terms of, story, like, what he does with, like, a blockbuster is unbelievable, because he's making these hybrid films, but they're packaged as popcorn movies, um, but yeah, like, I, I First, kinda of like and I don't know, like jaded I feel like that old man that you know goes like, back in my day. You know, you get it in wrestling as well, people are like oh, back in my day. You know.
0: Well the genre has completely um, changed. Comes,
3: I don't really like modern horror doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, it become it's a it's like quite quite bang right? and it's like no nuance to it anymore. But there's a couple of ones that like have recently come out where uh like it follows and and Hereditary were like were really good to me. I was like, it brought me back to being a kid and being like, oh, I'm really petrified here. Um, and then uh, from Jordan Peele, The Us, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it. That just looks like, that looks unbelievable. So but I'll watch anything. It's weird, like I'll, I'll literally watch anything at all, anything and everything. So um, I'm, I'm normally, I'll go to the cinema like two or three times a week um, or I'll watch like loads of movies. DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that. So and VHS. I got. I did a podcast last night, and the guy gave me like three VHS tapes. So now I got to go watch them.
0: Fantastic. For some of our fans who haven't seen your work, uh, you've taken those two passions and you've kind of crossed them into the development of your on-screen persona. And of course, we've seen the horror and wrestling thing crossover before with different acts, but you really put your own spin on it. Uh, how did you come up with the idea for the last true sick boy persona?
3: Um. So it kind of started like really weird. I was, I was almost, uh, and, um, like a lot of my stuff was, um, was very like derivative kind of like Irish gypsy fighter style. And I watched a lot of, that's where it comes from. It's like, I watched a lot of in the Irish fighting community. They would send each other videotapes. Um, and I watched this documentary called Knuckle, which was a boy literally record like a promo calling out a guy for a bare knuckle fight. And then that guy would record over that promo and send it back. And then they would pass these tapes. When I look back now, that's kind of like the first seed that got planted for it. Um, but it was very much like I was i was more along the lines of just like a stereotypical Irish guy. Um, and then everyone, you hear a lot of people say it, where they say that, you know, the characters are generally like the own person cranked up to, or they're just amplified. Um, so when I was forming the tag team and stuff, I obviously wanted to to have something that was what was on the UK scene at the minute. So we purposely, we had videos made before we were even announced as being a tag team. Um, so all the Lake Ulaid stuff and, and all those were already in the can and we we had a lot of footage. And then we kind of ran it past a ramp. Um uh, um, who's like who's responsible for training me and he was like yeah and it's weird because that like horrors his thing so he's like yeah he's like I think you should pull the trigger and it's kind of like that and I just watched Um, it, for me it was just bringing in like there's something to me there's something scary about of a tape like someone going to the effort of physically recording a tape and sending it to you because that's much they want that's when I'd say hate you Um, and it goes back to that like being in the back of that video shop when I was a kid where I was like that's the thing I wanted to capture these weird tapes so you open and click and you get your information you have to put it in the video player you have to put it on the right station Um, so it was all kind of mixing that and the sick boy thing came about through a weird one night we were uh, scheduled to wrestle CCK um, and Lycos got injured before the event Uh, and then and then the event, uh, Chris Brooks got injured. So we had to just think on the fly, um, and when we hit the ring, they just started checking um, So then when my tag partner left, um, I wanted to kind of rebrand myself as being like a little bit, like, like kind of like this, like the last of his kind. So that's where the last two sick boy came from. But the uh, the videotape thing then just kind of developed because I was doing the videos and uh, and. Uh, it was someone said to me. Um, there's a promoter over here. Used to be a wrestler called Alex Shane. Um, he pointed out to me, he's like, "You're you're a fictional guy living in the real world." Um, and he's like, "In in modern wrestling, he's like that that can't that can't really be done." Uh, um, so I was like, "But I'm not. I'm just I'm just me." And he's like, "Yeah, well, you got to tell people that." So then that's where Roy Coys kind of just became. Um, and this is not to scare anyone. This <laughs> <It> just <laughs> became like me, it just like this guy who is, obsessed with, who is obsessed with movies, who wants to make like horror movies, horror snuff movies, who wants to do it in a wrestling ring. Um, and then that's where it clicked. It was like we were in, we were having a coffee and he just said that. And then I just responded, we're not just a guy that's obsessed with horror movies. I'm not a character from a horror movie. I'm a guy that's making them. And he went, yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, why is it taking me years? <laughs> so it just kinda came, it's like a weird thing and like I watched a lot of Charles uh, like weirdly I watched a lot of Charles Manson. Um and those guys that could like bark the idea that could, you know, coerce like a crowd to follow them. Um and then like I just a lot of horror movies. A lot of Rob Zombie inspired me uh, um of kinda editing and the language he uses in his movies. So just stuff like that and then just mixed in with my own obviously being Irish, mixed in with that. Talk the way I talk. It, when I, if I'm in Ireland, I'll talk exactly the same way in a promo. And I think some people in Defiant have noticed that. They're like, "Oh, I uh, see, is yeah a lot." That's that's how I talk. I'm not putting on an accent. It's really me. So,
0: our, our mutual friend uh, Joe Atherton is the one that kind of introduced us. And what he did is he sent me just one of your promos, and I watched it, and I was just like, "There is a, a creepy level of authenticity." what this guy is doing like he is completely bought into this and so that's when i reached out to you on twitter and how this whole thing kind of came together but i think that's one of the things that's really missing inside of pro wrestling at this point is everybody's looking to be this crazy outlandish kind of character when really what we need is authenticity
3: yeah i think it's 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 weird because i think i'm on a lot of shows um, I am quite often the weirdest character there. Like, I'm the weirdest guy. And I know that's my place. Kind of, on um, those shows, are in, like, I am the weird guy. Like, I'm the guy that's not going to do a standard wrestling match. Um, but that is just me being authentic. Like, I'll put... I'll ropes because... When I hit the ropes, I'll just try and punch you in the face. Uh, <laughs> and, like, people say, like, oh, you've really been working on, like, you really been working on your in-ring quips. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just reacting. Like that's why I talk. Um, so it was. I, I think for me, it was. I could never say anything on a video that I didn't believe, I didn't think. So there is a level of. Um, I suppose like people in the know would call it shit, but there always is that level of like what I'm saying is. I generally believe it because if I'm a, like, I always think the best bad guys in the world are totally. You can justify their actions because you can. You can believe what. Um, so that to me was like something that I always wanted to do and I don't I don't try and like you're not going to see me try and do a moonsault off the top rope because I'm I'm a, I'm a big guy like I'm not I mean with enough practice maybe I could do it and not kill myself but <laughs> I, I just wouldn't do it because it's not it's not a, it's not something I would ever think of doing in real life so I would <laughs> never do it um, and I think that's something like Rampage I got a lot of that from Rampage where he was like he was like, you're 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 just being yourself and when you're yourself he could see it because he's got like this unbelievable eye for stuff he's like i can see when you're relaxed and you're being yourself he's like that's, that's what you need and that's he's like that's what you need to see in your in-ring stuff and then in your promos and stuff like that so like a lot of that's starting to like him just coaching me he's just like i think he he's, for me he's one of the best wrestlers in europe um if not like the best heavyweight wrestler in europe and uh i owe like a lot of that to him just like nitpicking my stuff and he's still. A was like, um, he don't have to do, which is crazy. Like, so after a Defiant show, he'll set me down and be like, "This was good, but this here really need fixing, or you need to look at this, and stuff like that." So him and Screwface Ahmed, who's like, I think like one of the, everyone goes like, everyone's underrated, or they're under, like he is just like criminally underutilized on there. And now he's on the WWE UK a little bit, so I think he's finally getting where he needs to be. But yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be me, uh, which I always feel weird saying because people are like, so you're a psychopath. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little bit angry, but.
0: I think, I think everybody's a little bit psychopath. <laughs> it's just some of us embrace it more than others.
3: Yeah, you just got to yeah, enjoy it. Like it's being an so why would you avoid it? Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Makes you, you sound crazy.
0: <laughs> to go back in time a little bit, as far back as I could find, you made your professional debut in 2016 for Chikara. Tell us a little bit about that experience <laughs> and, and tell our listeners about Chikara because it's a name that pops up on the show all the time. And it's this underground phenom that I can't even explain what it is.
3: Yeah, it was... um. It was crazy what happened. So we were um, we were contacted by North Wrestling, which has kind of become own promotion, and we were scheduled to appear on their first ever show. So Shikara were doing a UK tour, um, and I had kind of gotten into like training and kind of looking at different types of wrestling. Shikara kept popping up over and over again, and there was a lot of guys in the UK who had kind of. Would always sing the praises or they'd done stuff for them. So guys like Martin Kirby would always mention um, Mike's like his work. Um so I got this random message from uh, the promoter of North saying, um, we're gonna do the first ever North match on a Shakara pre show. Well that's like they're like a they're like a company, like they're like a proper company. So um I was absolutely terrified. I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. Well, we may as well, <laughs> we may as well bang and end real bang. Um, so we got there. Yeah, we were on the pre-show and um, we got to witness like uh, uh, like pre-show speech, which I can only describe as being like similar to the Paul Heyman speech that is shown in Beyond the Mat. Ah,
0: that's a good comparison.
3: Um, but, like this is like a small little. It's a nice venue. Yeah, like super nice venue in um, in I think it was in South Shields. Um, were a couple. Of- like community center, and Quackenbush sits everyone down and starts going through, like saying, you know, people have travelled to see us. Page them an array of characters, and he's like, "You only ask yourself, is this the show where you waste that last roll of tape?" And like, I got the answer for you: that this is that show because he's like Wow, this is unbelievable! So, midway through the speech, the promoter of North <laughs> walks in the door behind him and interrupts my Quackenbush flow. and <laughs> so then he apologizes and the promoter north is like one of the nicest guys i've met in wrestling andrew Bowers is super nice and he's he is a massive fan of uh my quackenbush and shikara like an unbelievable fan um so he's like oh, i'm really sorry so he sits down so quackenbush talking again he stops and goes i'm really sorry guys but do you mind not sitting behind me because it's freaking me out so then he double interrupts my quackenbush um but because on that show Travis Banks was there. Um and he uh a couple of people watched the, watched our match, which was which was super nice. They were on the pre show and they'd no need to watch it. And at that stage I was nervous about asking people. Um and I came to the curtain and Chris came in and he was like, Oh, I watched the match. Um you know, these are a couple of things I noticed, but you know, I really like these things and stuff. And then fast forward of years and I'm in the ballroom for Progress on the pre-show again and Travis Banks is there and he was oh by the way you know I noticed this here is quite cool and this is good Um but then before in between we were both at a North show and I got a chance to actually pull uh, like you, you probably don't remember me he's like yeah I remember you from the Shakara show he's like you've done quite well and I was like oh this is quite nice so but it was, I was we shouldn't have been there where like i shouldn't have been there i shouldn't have been on this car but uh, it was unbelievable like (laughs) so it was cool
0: well and then as you were saying in in march of 2018 you worked the progress show chapter 65 and then in april you made your way to icw insane championship wrestling to do a tag match with boz boz Um, tell us a little bit about ICW and the, the formation of the tag team. How long have you guys known each other? How'd you meet?
3: Um, we met just both being trainees at Rampage Brown. Um, so the unfortunate thing was we were scheduled to appear on ICW, um, I think in December of the previous year. And I broke my eye socket. Um, like I broke my orbital. Mm. Like a full caven, so we, we had to push the debut back to April first. I think we pushed it back to, um, and it was weird for me. Like the, I had been to the ballroom as a fan, um, as a fan of wrestling before, just before I started training, um, and I had watched, Rob in on that show and going like, oh man, that guy was pretty good. And then the next week he opened up a training school in the northeast of England and I went, Oh, you know what, I'm gonna go, go along to that. To end up there and him to pull me to one side and go, just don't embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> in the borough um but then with ICW um, we'd obviously formed as a tag team from the get go. Um, we'd always set out to be a tag a tag team to mutual interest and kind of like we both wanted to make like the same thing in wrestling we wanted to make the same type of impact and then unfortunately after the second ICW date um quit wrestling um just for some reasons um so I actually had to go to the Barlands with a um different tag partner which at the time was I thought this is it this is the end or whatever but it's probably uh it's in terms of my career part probably that happened because um, I went to ACW as a fan as well so I was there and I know how big the Barlands is and it's like one of their big shows and it's like a in Glasgow and I was like wow this is like a big deal so on the morning of the show I thought wow well, I'm you know I'm not I'm not going to be I'm not going to be on the show and in credit day, uh Mark Dallas was like even if we bring you up here and we give you a mic he's like you're not missing out in the Barlands because we've asked you to do the Barlands so it was cool because it was like a- one of my trainers that night, um, so it was me and Chris Ahmed in uh, the tag match, um, and it was awesome. It was like it's, like it's still one of my, my favourite nights uh, in wrestling because I I got to work ICW and I got to work the Barlands, um, and that's a place where they like characters' style of wrestling. It's like that early, kind of like that ECW feel, that like, just on the crust with that Attitude Era feel, where it was all characters, it was all, all crazy um so yeah it was it was pretty cool yeah sadly bass band quit um and then i kind of that's where i started like the rebranding process of becoming like the last that's where it came out of a promo where i just had to address the issue that i was now a singles wrestler and i was going to acw um maybe after we didn't know so
0: Very cool. Well, let's move on to a a bit more current events. uh, And let's talk a bit about Defiant. Uh, Mr. Coyle, you, you seem to have gotten yourself involved into this issue that has gotten incredibly personal. I guess I guess we'll start with Primate, a.k.a. General Manager Jay Melrose, at least at the time. Uh, Following his unsuccessful challenge against Rampage, Gabriel Kidd hit Melrose in the mouth, who earlier had been forced to retire after having his jaw shattered. Now, Melrose puts you into the match with Kidd. Is is that kind of the the way this whole thing came together, going into Refuse to Lose?
3: So we we get Refuse to Lose? Are we talking about that, or whereabouts are we? I'm trying to think.
0: Well, I mean I just just to get a little just to get a little bit of the backstory leading up to kind of what's going on now up in north with you and Primate.
3: Yeah, so um it's just a weird coincidence.
2: <laughs>
3: Thing so with the Defiant, um well not a lot of people know is I appeared on the first ever Def I appeared on the first ever Um so I was there uh at Built to Destroy in 2016. Um and I was never on TV. So uh when I first came in Defiant, um as everyone thinks I first came in Defiant I was brought um, to help out Prime because at the time he was still on the shelf um and he with a legitimate broken jaw where he's got some metal screws in there. Um oh, but on the first ever walk culture tape I turned up and I helped uh, Primate um, in post match. So, so I. I um, so everyone thinks we're best friends, but that was never the plan. The plan was they always come back. And if JML Rose ever decided to get back, back in the ring, then my plan was to put him out of the ring. So going into uh, the match in Manchester on uh, February 9th, it, it's um, me, me and Gabriel Kidd against. J. Melrose, a primate, um, and Joe Hendry. So I think I I did the video, um, which addresses it. But the weird thing for me was, in every video I've done in Defiant, I've clearly said that it was never about Gabriel Kidd or J Melrose. It was always about primate, and it was always about what happened at the yard. But uh, nobody picked up on it, because they believe what they want to Or they think they're the smartest fans in the world, but they're not really the smartest fans. Because if they were, they would have just paused the video and clearly saw footage of me from the first ever Walk Culture tape. So, it's a weird coincidence that it's happened at North as well. Jay's made this unbelievable comeback because he was on the shelf and they told him they'd never wrestle again. The champ there, we've both been there since day one. And...
0: Now he's coming to North to come for your championship.
3: Yeah. uh, It's like a... I'm sorry I built a company while you're off on the sick Jay. Uh, and it's weird I've I've come in the north as one thing. I came in as this horrible guy and now the the strange thing for Jay is that the Riverside is like, kinda like my it's my home place. Um and the North Championships, obviously I'm the first ever champ. Um so the the next show NC team, um I think it's probably going to be. I said something on the last show. I was like, "If you're going to and come back to wrestling after having a piece of metal put in your face, which we both have done, then uh, then you got to be tough." So I really, someone. Uh, but I plan on be the North Champion forever. So we'll see what happens.
0: Finally, Mr. Coyle, I wanted to ask you about a big match that you have coming up on January 31st. It's going to be at TNT Extreme Wrestling DOA, and it's up against Mr. Jimmy Havoc. But this is not an ordinary match. Uh, Rory, what exactly is a home appliances death match?
3: Um, you tell me. <laughs> uh, like, are you gonna yeah, electrocute uh, the
0: dude with a toaster? Is that legal in the match? I'd um, i uh,
3: I don't, I don't really know what, I, I, I don't really know what is a home, what's class, what's a home and what isn't. Um, it's a weird one where um, I've been at TNT for a while now, and then I found out they were doing a uh, deathmatch match. Open oh, my mouth. I'll. I'll wait and see what happens and then sure enough I got the call saying do you want to come do a deathmatch tournament and I said yeah uh, um, I any preference and I was like well people keep asking for it and uh, a lot of people said it at defiant they were like if I had been in what culture at the start what would have happened the hardcore division to me um, and uh, Jimmy's a guy who I absolutely I absolutely love his stuff like I think he's I think he's he's brain. Uh, so so uh, they said who do you want and I was like oh and Jimmy Havoc it's going to be dumb I mean, it's going will be tough um, so then uh, I kind of asked like, do we know what the stipulation is and he said oh we don't know um, it might be a Lego death match and I was like well I don't know if that suits me they uh, he said it's a home appliances match so I think VHS players are legal in that
2: oh there um, you go I
3: think videotapes are certain on that Unfortunately, I still think microwaves, and uh, washing machines and fridges are legal. Um, so, and it's 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 something I'm looking forward to. Like I know the event's like nearly sold out. There's about 17 tickets left, um, and TN- Liverpool's are like really, like they they're mad into the wrestling. So, and to be in there with Jimmy, yeah, I can't wait. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. A past Jimmy, like the tournament's got the craziest collection of guys in the UK. So you got guys like like Mickey Whiplash, you got like you D way. Um you got like Clint Margera, you got Drew Parker. Like it's just it's a who's who of maniacs. It's, it's the weirdest. It's like an asylum. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's the first time a deathmatch tournament's been done in the UK, um, or it might be one of the only ones that's been done. And uh home appliances match. <laughs> well, we're just going to wait and see what me and Jimmy can find in the, in the garage. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. This is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see video out of this match. Rory, thank you very much for joining us today. Why don't you uh, tell people how to find you on social media so they can keep up with your wrestling journey as well as your movies?
3: Yeah, so it's uh, Rory Wrestler is my handle on everything. Rory Wrestler, R-O-R-Y. R- 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 I- wrestler um same on instagram same on facebook facebook.com slash wrestler uh you brand kind of guy um and then a lot of my stuff's available um like a lot of people ask about my theme tune and stuff it's custom that's available which is rorywrestler.com um yeah and that's generally where like most like all my stuff can be found um when is this going out
0: this will be out on friday like
3: when does this air Friday. Right. So, if you're a WrestleCrate subscriber, maybe look carefully in your bottom as well. Ooh. Because there's a little something in there.
0: It's a tease so, for you, ladies. There you and go. Gentlemen. So, that's
3: a good exclusive. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, some I got some weird stuff coming up. Um, so, I'm obviously going to keep making movies, but I'm going to try and do stuff like a little bit bigger over the next six months. Give me like a good platform for that. So, yeah, if everyone just give me a, yeah give me a follow and um, if people have any like, cool movies they want me to watch like please uh, or like let me know what you're watching and stuff as well because it's quite cool I think that's the thing where people have started like really interact with me they're like oh man and this guy really does like horror movies so yeah
0: that's awesome very cool and
3: coffee horror movies and coffee
0: <laughs> very cool Rory thank you very much We'll uh, we'll keep up with you and hopefully we'll do this again soon
3: yeah, thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Do you want to start a cult with me? I'm not vibrating like I ought to be. I need a purpose. I can't keep surfing through this existential misery. Now we're going to need some real estate. But if I choose my words carefully, I think I could fool you that I'm the guru. Wait. How do you spell epiphany? The truth will set you free It'll piss you off Before you find a place to be You're gonna lose the ball Too late to tell you now One ear or right out the other one Cause all you ever do Is get the same old Mantra I have your attention please It's time to tap into your tragedy Think you could use a New abuser Close your eyes and listen carefully Imagine you're stood on a beach Water gently like at your feet But now you're sinking What were you thinking? That's all the time we have this week Before the truth will set you free
0: So that was Bring Me the Horizon with their new song "Mantra." That album is out today. Ammo, you can go find that on iTunes right now, uh, Rick. So, Mister Rory Coyle, guys, a, he's a, he's
1: something, dude. Um, I was gonna say he's, he's something. Yeah, uh, that might be an understatement, there, man. I think uh, you talk I, about. Us. I think he's
0: gonna try to kill Jimmy Havoc. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to grab a a, a VCR and throw Jimmy Havoc in a pool and electrocute him. What exactly is a home appliances death match? I'm fascinated to know what a home appliances death match is. Best of luck to Mr. Rory Coyle. We'll have him back on the show soon. Uh, Let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about TakeOver Phoenix. Uh, This show happening Saturday on the WWE Network. This is going to be a big weekend for the WWE. Uh, I I did the math here, Huckleberry. There's 14 matches this weekend. Only one of those matches is not a Royal Rumble or a championship match.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, which one is it? Which one is the?
0: It's going to be the opening match of TakeOver. Matt Riddle takes on Cassius Ohno. yes. Ono. yes. But that tends
1: to be. I was pulling up. I knew that when you said it. Uh, that I mean that tends to be the, the mo when it comes to when it comes to the takeovers. I got to tell you, you know, I, looking at this card, I'm excited for it. Uh, the only thing I was really down on, and it, it completely escaped my mind the other day, was that the tag match was even on this show. I feel like their tag division is is at an all time low, which is such a shame. You know, when we're looking at the talent that are involved in this thing, but and I guess maybe that's it's a casualty up there. It's just so much going on. Uh, in nxt and as the yellow yellow and black brand begins to grow you know is it really is it really sheds that reputation as development you almost got to think that you know the stage for the content has to grow
0: you know it's it's interesting because we, we say that tag team wrestling is so down inside of nxt but last night we saw this killer match between the one-two punch oni Lorkin and Danny birch taking on my new favorite tag team uh Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner I really, really like
1: those guys together, and I thought that was a fantastic match. Well, seen, you know, there's so much talent there. And I don't think, you know, it's not a letdown on their, you know, on their behalf, or even really you know, I don't think creative, not trying to move it. But like I said, there's just so much going on in NXT and you've only got this small bubble, you know, where you can only you can only fit so much in. Yeah,
0: there's so much talent down there. Uh so Matt Riddle takes on Cassius. Oh no, this is going to be The third match inside of this series, Matt Riddle has got him twice, but Ono has gotten the better of Matt Riddle the last couple of times that we have seen these two involved. Uh, Of course, the last time that we saw anything go down was with uh, Keith Lee and Cassius Ono hitting Keith Lee right square in the dick. Matt Riddle coming out to make the save. As I was saying earlier, this is the only match this weekend without a title involved or a Royal Rumble. But it's probably the match that has the most storyline going into it. Who would have thought that we would have gotten three matches out of this initial Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono series? And, Rick, I've really enjoyed the two matches that we've had so far, even though the first one was all of about
1: five seconds long. Well, I think, you know, like you said, though, you know, the match itself, yes. But then we had that great lead-in on the pre-show, you know, at the the last takeover. You know, like we always say, it blows us away when someone actually – does you no know, business on the pre-show. They set this thing up perfectly here. And then you get a nice little surprise to actually open takeover. And they've kept they've kept real strong. You know, he hasn't had a defeat. But also in the you know, in that same breath, you still believe in Ono. You know, they haven't made him look like the inferior talent out of these two. You know, the old vet finds a way, you know, to get his heat back. And we've had a great build here. And I think this is going to be, you know, ultimately what, you know, is the send-off in this program. I think it's going to be a a, a good a good conclusion.
0: You think this is going to end it? Does Matt Riddle get the win here? Or do you keep Ono looking strong, have him win this match by hook or by crook so that you can get another match out of Ono and Keith Lee?
1: I think, I don't think that you need Ono to be, is over here uh, or you know to be thought of on that same level as riddle. I think he can still bounce back and, and work Lee for television. I think that becomes you know a second tier program that is just for the weekly shows. Uh, I think you know looking towards if this so wasn't the Road to WrestleMania coming up, I think maybe you do extend this thing, but I think you got to get away from it at this point point. there's just going to be bigger programs that, that need that feature spot. You know like I said we were talking about the tags, you know kind of stepping into the shadow, this program here is taking a lot of that that spotlight.
0: That's a very valid point. Very valid point. I think Matt Riddle is a dark horse to be one of the surprise entrants in the Royal Rumble. We always see a couple guys from NXT. Last year we saw Adam Cole. Wouldn't surprise me to see Matt Riddle this year. Um, I'm going with Riddle over, but I'm very, very hesitant. It wouldn't surprise me to see Ono win this match.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it here. I think Riddle wins this thing. And we finally get that, you know, that... That defiant answer that he has won this program. I just see that they're moving on from this thing, real quick. When you talk about the rumble though with Riddle, I just hope that when it gets out there, I know it is more. It's a he's got that fun character that the bro baby bro bro bro. It's that fun persona. I would just worry that when you know whoever's putting that match together or Vince gets his hands on it, that it would just become like over comedy where we don't get what kind of great athlete he is.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Ricochet is going to take on Johnny Gargano, of course, defending his North American championship. Last night on NXT, we saw a bit of a DIY reunion, a heel DIY reunion. And then uh, Candice LeRae had to come out and smash Full Sail's hopes and dreams. I'm really enjoying this program, and now we're seeing the Velveteen Dream is going to be coming after, it seems, whoever comes out of this match, whether it's Gargano or Ricochet for the North American Championship. In that respect, it makes sense to me to have Gargano go over here and capture the championship and get a Dream versus Gargano feud, because they clearly have Velveteen positioned as a babyface and Johnny as a heel at this point. But Rick, with everything going on with Candice LeRae at the end of NXT last night, I'm not really sure how I feel about this match going into it.
1: I so you know, talking about you know, just the, uh, the shades of the hashtag DIY, man. A little bit of goosebumps, I have to admit. It, it was pretty cool to see it. And just to think, you know, we're so used to these guys on the baby side. You know, those ultimate underdogs climbing a mountain. To be there when you know, they're just there to, to raise hell. And, you know, they're just those desperately dudes in the freaking room. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. And we really, really want that. And I, I think that's great. Tease it. Tease the hell out of it. That's one so thing that I love. When it happens, when it happens, then you, you know, right now you got goosebumps and you're moving towards the edge of that seat and you're moving towards the edge of that seat and then boom, you know, you're going to be pop. You're going to be, you're just not going to be smiling. You're going to be jumping out of the chair. And this is it's, what we're
0: talking about because, you know, if this was the main roster, this week on NXT TV, it would have been Heel DIY taking on Ricochet and Aleister Black in the main event and just totally blow it. That's what the main roster does. Whereas NXT has been teasing this now for what, four weeks?
1: You know, what I really love here, like it's that slow little build. You know, I'm thinking back to like when the mega powers exploded. Yeah. This is like when, when DIY implodes. <laughs> you know, like it all comes back together and it, it's like devastating, you know, one devastating swoop. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be incredible. People are going to be talking. It's going to be the hottest thing, not just in the WWE universe, but professional wrestling, but their heel.
0: That's the problem. Like it's so over. People want
1: it so bad, but their heels. Well, and I think that's where, you know, when you get into it, you got to pick, you got to pick the right babies to take them down. See, I,
0: I feel like what you do, the way that you do this To do this the right way is you just build to it and build to it and build to it. And then you get one match. And at the end of that match, Johnny Gargano has to turn on Tommaso Ciampa. And this whole thing was a ruse just so Johnny could get close to Ciampa to fuck him over before Ciampa could fuck him. Like, that's the only way this makes sense to me.
1: Could you go into something where they know they need each other, but they continually just keep fucking each other? They just—they don't—they tr- know they need one another, but they, but they don't trust the other one so much because it, they know it would be ultimately be their downfall. Or I mean, could you could you get behind if they wanted to ride this out? You know, if you want to sell that merch and you want to move tickets and things like that, and they want to ride out DIY back together, could you see like a turn where uh, undisputed? I mean, because it seems like people would just love to cheer those guys, man. They want to cheer Adam Cole at certain times.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm I, still waiting for the big Adam Cole babyface run. I, we were poised for the Adam Cole babyface run right as he left Ring of Honor when he got thrown out of the Bullet Club. And it was like, oh, man, babyface Adam Cole versus a heel Marty Skrull. Yes, that's what the program was all shaped up to be and then he bounced out of ROH and went to NXT and they brought him in as the dirty heel slimy Adam Cole which is absolutely fine that character needed to be introduced but we've been poised for the Adam Cole babyface run for about three years now and
1: I think you want to position yourself where because people are gonna love you know DIY you know, but you want to have babies that you know people aren't just going to totally dump all over. And I think if you're going to have two guys oppose them, it should be Cole and Roddy.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Dave, um, you are going to go
1: that route for the extended period.
0: How about this? Okay, so I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to go under that theory that Heal DIY is going to challenge for the NXT Tag Team Championships at Takeover Chicago because that ha- that match has to happen at Takeover Chicago. That's that's where like, this entire story like
1: began. Well, I mean because that essentially we could see them as belt collectors.
0: Exactly. So you have the NXT champion, the North American champion, they're putting their tag team back together, they're going to take on the champs one time and they're they're going to take all of the belts. They fail. They they don't win the titles. And then Gargano turns on Champa. In Chicago because it has to happen in Chicago.
1: Bring it all, bring it all full circle.
0: Yep. It has to happen in Chicago. So I'm going with Johnny Gargano to win this match. But then I guess the question becomes, what do you do with Ricochet? Does Ricochet go ahead and move? Or do you keep him in NXT? I
1: think, you know what, he's established himself so much now, he doesn't need a championship to be recognized as one of the stars of that brand. I yeah, I, you know I, I, you what know, I'd probably have him start pulling a little double duty. I, I keep him, you know, on a side program in NXT and let him start showing a little bit on 205. Uh, that that brand is picking up some steam and individuals like Ricochet are, are gonna follow him over. But but I think the trick is there, you need to continue to remind that NXT audience that he's still in, you know, the universe. And every week come, you know, whenever he's after cutting a program or a match, the reminder, hey, make sure you follow me Tuesday nights. I'm gonna be uh taking on blah 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 over on on NXT or whatever or on two on 205
0: I'm I'm looking at this new class of NXT that we have coming in with Trevor Lee and Kushida and ACH and it's like wow this really looks like a 205 live reboot just getting ready to walk into the performance center so yeah I'm going with Gargano to win this thing are you leaning one way or the other
1: uh, I like Arcano here. I'm going with I'm going with those guys collecting belts right now. I think that's the hot story. You know, people people want to go that direction.
0: Undisputed Era is going to take on the War Raiders. We talk about how tag team wrestling is down. It ain't gonna be in this match. I am looking forward to this motherfucker right here. Uh, NXT Tag Team Championships on the line. Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly taking on Warbeard Hanson and Raymond Rowe. Rick, you know who wins the WWE universe. Anybody that watches this match, you're going to get to win because this thing is going to be awesome. And it wouldn't surprise me if this opens Takeover
1: Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, that's what I was kind of, well, yeah. Cause I can see this open, get that real hot buzz and then try to come back a little bit with uh, riddle and, and Oh no. Yep. And match that, true. That's how they usually tend to do those things. You, you kind of get that cool down in that two spot. And, and and obviously, though, when we're talking anything NXT, there really are no cooldowns. It's just how you stack them up here. And unfortunately, somebody's got to be at the short end of the stick. Uh, this one is, is should be an incredible match with everything that we've seen from these guys from War Games beyond like that. And now they're just going to be able to focus on each other. Uh, go out here in that hot opener that we're expecting Or Anywhere really that it's on this thing, they're they're going to have their moment to shine. Uh, I'm in Undisputed Era as I said going forward. I think you know if anyone's going to be in any you know coordination you know, going against DIY there. It's got to be undisputed there. And, and I'm not, I'm not one. that's about promotions to red or blue. I don't like that term. I think you just make a move, but I do feel, uh, especially what we were seeing as maybe a, maybe a resurgence of tag team wrestling on raw, uh, that the war Raiders would greatly, greatly lend uh, to the credibility of that division. Uh, I, I'd love to see them on the move, go out here in, in a blaze of glory, and move on. So I'm going with Undisputed.
0: Um, I was leaning more Raiders, and then I read uh, what's up with AOP. I don't know if it's Shake'em or Bake'em, as Big Ray Hernandez likes to call him, uh, but I think it's Shake'em uh, actually has been injured. Uh, so it looks like AOP is going to be on the sidelines for a little while. You need somebody to come in there and be the big, bad, badasses that are going to lend a little bit of credibility to that tag team division. I really like War Raiders on Monday Night Raw. So I guess I'm with you. I'm going to go with the Undisputed Era. Shayna Baszler is going to defend her NXT Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Rick, this thing has really taken off here just the last couple of weeks. I guess my question to you is are you buying Bianca Belair as NXT women's champion? Because everybody is expecting Shayna Baszler to get called up here and lose this championship. And I'm just, I, I don't buy Bianca Belair as NXT women's champion. I, I I dig the character. I dig her inside the ring. But they've turned her baby face. And it just does not work for me at
1: all. Well, well first of all, she's not getting called up. She's getting shifted, okay? Can we get off that call? Up train? Can you can you stop feeding these Mark Tards that Jargo? And can we let it be a standalone brand? But you know what? I, I'm on the other side of the coin on this one. I, you know, I've been a fan of hers. The moment that I saw her, you know, I was I was intrigued. I was a draw by what she had going on. You're right. They did change, you know, the persona, you know, her alignment there. But I think that was more to to fit this program because you just got such the natural badass, you know, heel and Shayna. And it, and you really want to present that underdog with her, you know, because you're not just taking on Sheena now. You've got the whole crew. You've got essentially the mean, the bullies. You know, they're not the mean girls from the movie because they would they would chew those bitches up. I mean, you're taking on like a street gang here. Right. So you got to kind of have that there. And you know what? I'm excited to see a, a title change here. I think it, this is something that the division, it, it needs a little refreshing, a different direction going away from, you know, the Oscars and the Baslers. Who are just seen as these like over the top, just straight badasses. So let's reinvent it here a little bit. Let's go in a different direction. She can obviously get her attitude back after winning this thing. And I think Bianca's gonna, she's gonna bring some different flavor to this division. I'm still going with everywhere I've been going here for the last couple of weeks. Whoever's invited me on their shows, uh, that's given me the privilege to have a platform to uh to voice what I've got going on inside this head. I still think, you know, we see Bailey get involved here. I think this is going to, to lend to something as a bigger program going into the next night. And I think Bailey needs that, that staple of why why is she important to this? Because when we look at what could possibly transpire between these two horsewomen groups, you know, when we're looking at the wrestling side, Bailey's a little, you know, she's she's on the short end of the stick there again. Where I think, you know, if she could be one of the first ones to really send a shot and her base have been going back and forth on Twitter. I know it's cooled down a little bit, uh, but it was hot there for a moment. So maybe that was the kind of key at our attention off of that. And, you know, it's not that, you know, Bailey would just show up to, to just, you know, stick her nose where her business in other people's business, where stick her nose, where it doesn't belong. Beller's going to need some backup. And she ain't got she's no hurt. friends. I was going to say, she's going to need a little backup. So, and that could come in the form of Bailey. She
0: ain't got no friends. That's for damn sure. Um, I'm going to go with the unpopular opinion here. I'm going to say that Shayna Baszler retains this championship. I, I I like Shayna actually getting called up to the main roster. I'm sorry, shifted to the main roster while still NXT Women's Champion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with
1: Baszler. I could see that too. I still think we might get Baszler and Ronda inside that elimination chamber. As one of the you know these tag teams by, you know, vying for this uh, first ever WWE Women's Champion, Tag Team Championship,
0: we will talk about the women's tag division here in just a couple of minutes. But first, we have to talk about Tommaso Ciampa taking on Alistair Black. Ciampa, of course, trying to 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 keep custody of Goldie. I love how Tommaso Ciampa just cherishes the NXT championship and holds it close to his heart and kisses it every opportunity that he gets it wouldn't work for anybody else other than Tommaso Ciampa anybody else that would just seem great well actually actually I think Rory could actually pull that off too um I gotta go with Ciampa here Ciampa has to retain this this has to be the end of Aleister Black. Inside of NXT, I absolutely expect Alistair Black in the Royal Rumble on Sunday as his official shift to the main roster. There is nothing left for Aleister Black in NXT. He's got to get the hell out of the yellow and black brand.
1: Well, I think, you know, now he's just he's running his course there.
0: Yeah, I, at this point, the act is stale inside of NXT. That act is not going to progress anymore. It's time for him to be on Raw.
1: They were they were able to revive it here a little bit, you know. It was he, you know, was chasing? But let's give me. Let's go back. It is as great, you know. As a talent as he may be, and how beloved he is by fans, you know, his championship reign is arguably one of the worst uh, within NXT because they just stripped down what made him so great. You know, what what I got the persona over. We just got a one eighty from that. It seemed, and now they've been able to recapture a little bit of that magic. But right now, you know. It's time. The, the champ is so hot and he's moving forward. And when you look at the, the grander picture and plans that could be unfolding here, you just got to ride it out here with the champ. Now for black though, you have to, you really have to worry. Uh, I don't think a shift to, to raw does him anything. Uh, you'd have to almost bet on what's his weight. I mean, could he do a stop at 205?
0: I wouldn't send him to 205. I think he's a little bit heavier than that. I think he's more like in that 215, I was, 220.
1: I thought he was there in at 210 to 215. Let me throw something else out here, though, man. It, instead of, you know, because it's so hard to make that ship, especially on the road to WrestleMania, you can easily get lost. So if they don't have something set up for him, if he's going to end up in the Andre the Giant battle, you know, battle royal or you know, just something absurd like that. Would you be be opposed to him going over and working some NXT UK?
0: No, I certainly would not be opposed to that. Absolutely not. Um, I think I might have a a, a bit higher ceiling for Alistair Black than than what you do. Uh, I, I think if you put him on SmackDown right now, he kind of becomes like your number two or three babyface just by default.
1: I, I, all right. Even you no, know, because we're going into WrestleMania season. So let's think about here. I mean, let's look at the the priority for your programs. Almost number one is going to be whatever Shane McMahon is involved in.
2: You know, that's
1: that's that's going to be up there. Uh, now we're getting you know word that you know they got big plans for for Aunt Randy Orton because they were, there's talks of them wanting him to be the champ leading into this new deal with Fox. Right. Uh, you toss in other familiar names. You know you got the Rey Mysterios. You, you might have some people returning that they want to use to focus on to SmackDown. Uh, so even there, if you're sitting in the three spot, you're still not a big priority going into WrestleMania season. And you're lucky, you're going to be lucky if you even get a sniff on the pre-show, like I said. You, you just hate to see him be stuck in that Andre the Giant battle. Well, I, I wouldn't be, would be so opposed to him going over uh, through WrestleMania, working, working UK, and then maybe being one of those big pops, you know, coming out of WrestleMania. And I also fear, though, uh, yeah, we get him because we know him. We've watched him before. We've watched him before NXT. We've watched him through NXT. There's a good chance, though, he just gets hit with, like, in two weeks, a bunch of CM Punk chants by the general WWE universe. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, but it, it could be. A, it's a very po- real possibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's It's terrifying, but it is a real possibility. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, throw things over to our second interview of the day. Uh, Rick, I had the opportunity to sit down with this young lady yesterday, and this is a woman that I was so, so excited to have on the show because I have been following her career. As I found out in doing my research for the interview, she just started wrestling in 2014, I discovered her in 2015, so I've really gotten to watch this entire progression that is Miss Thunder Rosa, or as some people know her from Lucha Underground, Miss Cobra Moon. So we're going to throw it over to this interview, give you a little bit of background on her, what she's got coming up, because she is a very, very busy lady, whether it be working with the women of honor, whether it be working with the women of wrestling, whether it be contemplating a return to stardom, or potentially maybe a run to NXT. I'm going to talk to Huckleberry about that right after the interview. We'll be right back. Here we go,
2: here we go It's about time that we set it off
0: What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at TheGorillaPosition.com, presented by Hami Media, and in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for our guest, ladies and gentlemen. She is a former Gold Rush Pro Lady Luck Champion, former NWA Western States Tag Team Champion, SoCal Uncensored's Women Wrestler of the Year in 2016, former Shine Tag Team Champion, and one-third of the current reigning Lucha Underground Trios Champions. A new addition to the Women of Honor, you may know her as Cobra Moon, but today we'll call her Thunder. One half of the Twisted Sisters, Thunder Rosa. Thunder, welcome to the show thank you for
4: having me that was a kind of a, a very impressive intro
0: well thank you very much we, we, we do what we can here
4: i was impressed <laughs> <laughs> well before we
0: jump into anything current let's kind of go back to the beginning the first question that we ask all of our guests when did you first find your love for professional wrestling and kind of who was on top who were your early influences in the business
4: um, I didn't really like wrestling like a lot of my peers did until I was older. Um, I it was it was just like I found wrestling found me when I was in a very difficult time in my life as far as like work. So uh, I attended a lot of uh, indie wrestling shows. So that's how I started loving wrestling. I didn't know very much about mainstream, so it was always more of like the indie circuit um as far as like people that i liked that i when i started watching wrestling um i briefly watched tna when the knockouts were like what gail kim was there victoria was there uh odb was there uh awesome kong was there so i really like you can put on people i really like how they develop you know the women's division and then um um, my, Shawn Michaels was one of the ones that I really enjoyed watching just because of how he the showmanship that he had.
0: Very cool. You made your debut in 2014 at a Battle Royal for Supreme Pro Wrestling in Sacramento, at least as far as I could find, uh, before really taking off through Northern and Southern California in 2015. Where did you start your training at and tell us a little bit about your early days in the business?
4: I started training at Gold Rush, uh, APW bootcamp in 2014, January, 2014. That's like when I officially, visually started training. Um, but I went to other schools because, um, I was going to train at APW in Hayward, California, with and Alexander, but I was prior, prior him passing away. So like my plans changed. Um, I really original trainers were Dylan Drake and Matt Carlos. So, um, Yeah. It was, it was, it was rough because I didn't really know any sports whatsoever. So I had to like learn everything from the up, like how to like lift weights, how to like, um, properly, how to like do acrobatics, how to do everything. And then like, I had to learn like the wrestling moves because I didn't know any of them whatsoever. So it was very interesting. It's a very interesting journey.
0: It's incredible for somebody who is still fairly new into the business. I mean, just now we're in 2019, so you're talking five years, and you've been all over the Southern California scene, the Northern California scene, and then in 2015, you make your way over to Japan to compete for Stardom on your first tour. You would then return in 2016, teaming with Holly Dead as the Twisted Sisters to compete in the Goddess of Stardom Tag League. Tell us a little bit about your time in Japan, how yourself and Holly Dead met, and first became a tag team. Um,
4: my first time in Japan was really interesting because that's when um I you know, I learned about I learned about wrestling there. I that's more like my that was like my formative three months. Like it was like the crash course of female wrestling. Um I came with an idea of who I was but I came up with an idea of who who I wanna be, you know, um that's when I discovered Lucha Libre. Um because of Lucha uh Starfire she would wanna like my mentor there um and my strong style really was cemented there in in japan um it was rough because um i remember trying to like get matches together and stuff and like all the girls have the same moves that i had so i was very limited in I do. so i had to like learn a new move that in like one month because I had to like come up with something new, so it was it was very challenging so but it was good because that helped me to be uh flexible and not to be upset when you know things were said or for me to get better as a wrestler and then um but also um to number one and it was really fun i mean although I have some like really rough experiences that again like I was telling you that really made me who I am right now in the ring and outside the ring too um then. Uh, my second tour in Japan was with Holiday but before that she we met online actually. It was like through Facebook and stuff, so a like a correspond a lot like that. And then um I met her in a show in Los Angeles. She was there, she was that was like a week before she left Japan. Uh and then we just became really good friends and um we were wrestling each other a lot to the point in where Every booking, it was like me and her, me and her, and and my husband suggested that we should tag. So we started tagging like almost three years ago, Jesus. Um, and uh, SPW, no, not SPW, PCW in Oroville, and it was really fun. Like we, my husband suggested that I should use half of her face paint in my face, and she should use half of her in her face. So like we have full full face paint, so we can distinguish ourselves from from you know our regular singles. Uh, and so we started tagging there and um, and then we went to Japan the second time as tag team. It was really fun. Um, we were able to defend the the NWA Western uh, titles, the tag team titles out there at Cork and Hall. It was like one of the most coolest experiences I've, I've had so far. Um, then um, we were able to travel together to like different parts of Japan. And just like being there together, like we really like got to know each other a lot. A lot more, because I was like the first time that we moved in together. It was like like with your boyfriend, and, right? Like you're like, oh, let's move in together. And then, okay, let's move in together. And then you move in together, and you're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so now we're married for life, kind of, sort of. So it was really interesting.
0: The, the, there's so much to t- touch on there. I mean, a crash course in professional wrestling at stardom, I you really jumped into the deep end of the pool on that one.
4: Well, I had no choice. This is how I, this is how my career has been. You know, it's like, it was stardom. Then from stardom, it's like, oh, you're wrestler. You're luchadora now. So you got to do lucha libre. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I guess I'll do that. You know, it's, that's with that's, that my life too. Like when I came to the States, I was like, oh, you're coming to the States. Oh, you don't speak English. Oh, that's okay. You will speak English in like three months. You know, it's like, you just got to put yourself in situations where you have no choice but to learn.
0: Incredible. Also in 2015, everything changed for you as you were given some more exposure on national TV and thrust into the spotlight as Cobra Moon on the hit TV show, Lucha Underground. As someone who's been on the independent wrestling scene for such a brief period at the time, you were gaining exposure and your star was rising very, very quickly. Tell us about the Lucha Underground experience, how you became involved in the project, and then just the experience of being on the cutting edge of the best-kept secret in professional wrestling because there's absolutely nothing in the world like Lucha Underground.
4: Well, it was, again, um, everything was, like, connected together. It was through a... um, What was it? It was a female show in Los Angeles, and I was scouted by one of the producers, and that was offered to me in November... Let's see... I'm <clears throat> sorry, October, October, 2015. That was like not even a year in the business. So it was offered to me and I was like, whoa. I at the same time, I was going to go to Mexico and, and learn some Lucha Libre. So I said yes. And then they accommodated me. They were bringing me back and forth. So I didn't have to lose any of my bookings out there. So that was pretty cool. And then, um, and then my first show, I thought I was going to do a, a dark match, but they actually had me do a regular match. And I wasn't ready. Like I can tell you right now, I was not ready for for like everything because it was just too. Like I said, I was still learning. I was still like learn. I was still learning who Thunder Rosa was, and then I now have to like learn who Cobra Moon was. But you know, prior to that, I tried to kind of train for for the character to come up with a new moveset and something different. But again, I wasn't. I was not expecting. Like, the amount of pressure and, like, the amount of things that I needed to do to, like, play this character.
0: Well, and not just the wrestling side of the character. There's also a lot of acting, and you were very much at the forefront of a couple of stories inside of Lucha Underground. Just from a production aspect, that had to be a completely different change as opposed to what you were used to on the independent scene and at stardom.
4: Oh, yeah, but you know what? I think that part was actually easier than the wrestling I don't know why. Like acting was easier because, like, you have you can repeat the scene multiple times, right? Until like they say, like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. When you're in wrestling and you're like taping matches, you can't be like, oh, stop, okay, guys, sorry, I messed up. Let me do it again. You can't do that. Interesting. You know so it, it 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 was it was an eye-opening experience in that like again like now that's that really helped me. Now to where I go to a show and I'm like confident about my abilities. I know where the hard cam is. I know how to play with the cameras. I know how to play with the the crowd. I you know um, I feel more confident. Like definitely, like that's, those like, again, those experiences have like formed me to who I am right now. And. And I really enjoy now doing TV more than before. So I was terrified.
0: It's crazy that I discovered you so early into your career because I'm a big stardom fan and I'm a big Lucha Underground fan. And now you have made your way to Ring of Honor. Debuting in June of last year, teaming alongside current Women of Honor champion and friend of the show, Miss Kelly Klein, against the team of then champion, Sumi Sakai and Tanil Dashwood. Then in November, the Twisted Sisters debut, defeating the team of Britt Baker, who is now with All Elite Wrestling and Madison Rain. And coming up tomorrow, you'll be accompanying Holly Dead to the ring as she takes on Miss Madison Rain in a singles match. There's quite the rivalry developing here between the Twisted Sisters and Madison Rain. Rain, um, what is the plan for the Twisted Sisters going forward inside of the Women of Honor?
4: I don't know. That's a good question. Let's ask Ring of Honor. I don't know.
0: I'll get Joe on the phone.
4: I yes, I don't know. I mean, um, we came into like a, a time where they were transitioning the Women of Honor. Like a lot of the girls were leaving, and or they got signed. Um, so we're there. We are hungry for more and we want to learn and uh, we're we're open for anything pretty much.
0: And there's a, a huge influx currently of Mexican talent coming into Ring of Honor with Bandito and Roosh and now we're hearing that Dragon Lee will soon be on his way. Is, is there a bit of camaraderie amongst all of you?
4: Oh yeah, I mean um, I know Rush from Japan and from other shows from Los Angeles so uh, we're really good with really good friends and I usually talk to the guys, you know, just to like try to get to know them. I mean, cause uh, they're very, very talented and I, I see their stuff online and, and I watch their matches on PWG and stuff like that. So I always learn so much from them, from their like showmanship or from like, cause it's, it's different. I feel like their style is so much different than a lot of the American guys. Um, but it's very, to me, it's very appealing and it's very fun. Um, so it is different I, and I always like to be different in the ring.
0: Now, you bring up the style. Is is there a mental switch that you flip when you know that you're playing the Thunder Rosa character as opposed to the Cobra Moon character? Is that a, something conscious in your psyche that you are aware of?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you have to because people know um, how when I act when I'm Thunder Rosa and when I'm Cobra Moon, I think I have to like switch it up a lot. Sometimes it's a little challenging, but... It's not impossible.
0: It's absolutely incredible that you are so aware of of all of your surroundings and everything going on around you for being so early into the business.
4: Well, you know, it also comes with the fact that before I got in the ring as a wrestler, I was doing a lot of managerial stuff. So I learned, like, where to be at and, like, you know, you learn your spots, you learn your, like... Uh, you have to learn that stuff. So when I got in there, like I had to like, I already kind of knew what I wanted to do or what I want to do. So I'm more conscious, conscious. I can't even say that word. Conscientious. Sorry. Yeah. Conscientious. That's uh, of what, what I need to be where in, in the result that I want from the people. Um, was there was one example. Uh, I, got, I, I just had, a. I got caught up on my, on my English. Um, but I mean, I still have a lot to learn though. Like that's one of the things that um, I am working on this year is that I go to uh, seminars and I try to learn as much from other people that have been in the business longer than I have. And that have been more successful because um, to be the best, you have to train like the best. And, and, and I I continue to strive to, to do that.
0: Well, I think you're doing very, very well. One final topic that I wanted to touch on with you. Uh, I guess I should address this question to Miss Cobra Moon as she will be making her way to the women of wrestling while superheroes on access TV Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We saw the huge debut last week and I'm very much looking forward to your debut on the show. What was the experience working with Mr. David McClain and Miss Jeannie Buss to bring all of this women's first national TV show to life?
4: it was very special like um just the fact that um that was part of that show um made it really really special because again like you said it's the first national tv show in the united states all female um that to me is one of the things that you know being progressive and being being a woman of color and just being a woman in general in this business uh i i took pride of you know just being bring up more opportunities to to us, to to the women, you know, and um, this is a perfect example of like when somebody believes in uh, in a product like this and put the money in it, and, and the results of that, then we we'll, we we're gonna get. So I'm excited to see what what the season is and like the re- the reaction of the people. So hopefully, people really enjoy um, the the character there. Um, I'm Miss Me and another girl, like the only ones that are masked wrestlers. So um I take a lot of pride on on that. So I'm excited.
0: Was it odd for you at all taking Cobra Moon out of the temple and putting her into the wow superheroes universe? Mm,
4: no. Like I think it's it was it was cool though. It was like it was where a lot of people were like, Oh my god, it's weird. I'm like, Oh cool. It was just got a cool opportunity.
0: I think you're peaking at exactly the right time for being so early into the business. You're making your way all the way around the world. Women's wrestling has never been hotter. What is just kind of the, the grand overview of this women's revolution inside of wrestling that we're amidst right now?
4: Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty freaking awesome that um I came into the business in a time and where pretty much I can't go and work anywhere I want, because there's so many opportunities and so many places for, um, for anybody with different skill levels, you know? Um, although at the same time, it could be a little daunting because there are so many other girls that are hungry, that are younger and they want same spot, you know, it makes us work a lot harder. So, um, although okay, again, I've gotten a lot of opportunities soon in my career, I'm still like, you know, working toward getting more opportunities and making a name for myself. Um, and I will continue to do that until I I decide to hang the boots, you know. So um, I'm really happy that uh, finally um, women's wrestling is mainstream, you know, because that's what makes the difference. Uh, We've been working really, really hard in the indies for decades to make, you know, women's wrestling matter. And it's finally getting to that point and where every, like, Every worker is it's, it's a wrestler. They want somebody that can go, that can hit, that can, that can wrestle. So it's pretty, that was pretty amazing.
0: Well, like I said, I discovered you very, very early on into your run, and I look forward to watching many more years to come. Uh, we'd like to thank you very, very much for joining the show. We'll let you get on the road to Dallas. But first, why don't you tell people how to find you on social media?
4: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Thunder Rosa Twenty Two on Facebook Thunder Rosa Two, um, and you can also uh, watch me on Twitch Underground. So if you want to purchase the uh, DVDs, you can purchase them on, on Amazon. I'm in season two and season three and season four. I don't know if I have season four, uh, and you can watch me probably in one of your local shows in your town. I don't know um, when I'm gonna be, where you at, but if if you are, just come and say hi and. And send me a message. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at responding fans' messages. Oh, now and YouTube! Don't forget. I forgot my YouTube. Oh, send go ahead. On YouTube too. are sure there.
0: Fantastic. Well, we look very, very much to following your career and as it develops. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to sit down and do this again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, All right, Rick. So that was the interview with Miss Thunder Rosa. Uh, Big fan of hers. I really, really like her and Holly dead together as a tag team, which kind of brings us to the women's tag division inside of the WWE. We're seeing it start to be established throughout all of the brands. Now, if I'm WWE, I am bringing in the Twisted Sisters. If I'm going to seriously entertain doing
1: a women's tag division. Well, I, just, I agree with you 100%. You know, and they're, you know, just even outside of Twist Sisters, who are leading that pack out there on that anything, there's some other great duos that you could bring in that, that are really going to set this thing apart than, you know, just kind of the, the half ass slap-together method that we're kind of expecting them to take here.
0: You know, I, I've been on this train that Sasha and Bayley had to become the first-ever women's tag team champions, and that was going to be the payoff to this entire thing. I changed my mind watching NXT last night. I want Eo Shirai and Kyrie Sane. I want those to be your initial women's tag team champions, I, because I feel like they both need more time inside of NXT, but especially if we're entertaining the idea of Bianca Belair becoming champion, we need something for those two ladies to do to keep them the hell away from the NXT Women's Championship.
1: Uh, I, I got something here. It, it's gonna maybe, um, I, I hate to sour everyone's ears. If you're listening to this uh, first thing Friday morning is during our airtime uh, It's going to be Friday afternoon I just saw the advertisement The Bella Twins are going on GMA uh, Which is, I don't know why they. Switched. Good Morning America is now in the afternoon So it's just called GMA Afternoon uh, they, they will be on there Friday afternoon And they are promoting that they have An announcement about the WWE Oh for God's sake yeah they they were you know they weren't talking in in the little promo it wasn't putting over you know the fashion line or you know being moms or you know or you know nikki and the tabloids or total divas or anything like that it was very clear there's it's something with wwe something with with the you know the w superstars have big announcement
0: god let's hope it's their official retirement Let's go ahead. Let's uh, talk about the Royal Rumble, which I kind of expect that we will see at least one of, if not both of the Bellas at the Royal Rumble. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's let's run through the undercard here first, Huckleberry. Uh, let's start with the Cruiserweight Championship. It's going to be on the pre-show, and it very may, well may be the best match that's going to go down on Sunday. It's going to be Buddy Murphy defending his Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa, Hideo Itami, and... And Kalisto, Huckleberry, you watching any 205 Live? You got any insight to this match?
1: I haven't, you know, again, every seems like every month when we get to these things, it just went so much on, on each of our plates with wrestling at 205 Live. Still, it just hasn't uh, made it up to the big boy table yet. Uh, still sitting at the kitty table. But again, like you said, whatever I do catch something from them, you, you take it for, you know, in the context of what 205 is about, they go out there and put on one of the better matches. I'm expecting this thing to open the pre-show again, which I always gripe about. I'm okay with it being on the pre-show because it's better than it being positioned as a come down where that crowd just does not care. People are going you know, to, to get their snacks refilled or their drinks or use the restroom. At least here they're giving – like last time I think they gave these guys like between 10 and 12 minutes. And it was a one-on-one and they had an opportunity to shine in the ring. If you were watching, unfortunately, people were still filing into the arena. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of eyes on this thing. And I know you, you know, usually with these shows they are so long and with your schedule, you miss some of this early stuff. You know, you just you want the, the meat and potatoes. And I feel a lot of people are that way. And it really, especially on these longer pay-per-views, what's a rumble? That's going to be another it's going to be another four or five hour show. Yeah. So people aren't locked in, tuned in. And they're the doing a two hour pre. On. It's going right. to be a two hour pre show again. Right. So you, as long as like on the pre you show up about halfway through the second hour, you get the gist. You're going to get all the big promo package, things like that. So this thing's probably going to happen within a half hour into that first hour. So not a lot of eyes there, but hey, I, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the, the 205 guy shine again here talking about a winner. I still just think they ride it out with Murphy. It seems like they have something from what I understand with it. They got something good with him as, as a champ. And, and as you were mentioning earlier, Jargo, it looks like we are getting a major reset and reshuffle onto 205 live. Uh, so maybe it is something we're going to have to start making a point to, to get tuned into this thing. So we don't miss out on the, the developments.
0: Them uh, changing that time slot certainly did not help things for me. Uh, also on the pre-show, The United States Championship will be defended. It's going to be Rusev defending against the former champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Of course, we're hearing some contract uh, issues with Nakamura at this point, too. Will Nakamura be re-signing or not? Um, I'm going with Rusev over Strong here. I see absolutely no reason to take this title off of Rusev. Uh, But Rick, was,
1: was this even promoted on SmackDown this week? Did I totally miss that segment? No, I don't I can't recall if it had a segment, but I only think it, I think they made mention of it at least. Uh, but what's kind of funny is at the last pre-show, uh, TLC, we had the, the 205 and the United States Championship. That was our that was our pre-show. So we're and we're getting pretty much some rematches here, uh, and of sorts.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing that's happened with Becky Lynch getting so hot. And now Oscar holding the title, your precious Shar-Shar being involved there. The mid card title on SmackDown, there's just not time for that.
1: That's the problem. Well, I, well there is there is time for a mid card title over there, and that's the WWE Championship. Because right it's now, the Smack the SmackDown Women's is the the top title on that show. You know, that's what everyone's buzzing. That's what they it's care the top about. Top title in the company, right? Uh, so at this point, yeah, and the United States championship, this thing, this thing has been down for a while. You know, had Rusev so hot for for so long and everyone was kind of, you know, clamoring, you know, give him that belt man. let him run with it. He's so hot right now. He can elevate the title. But again, what's happened by the time they get around to giving it to him, the title has actually drug him further down. You know, you know, the act is getting old. He's not getting any more airtime. This thing is almost becoming a curse. If you want a championship to go away, it's almost get rid of the United States championship.
0: Oh, that I would absolutely be on board for. I I see absolutely no need for the United States championship. at And I
1: I almost think, man, if if you're Shinsuke, really, you're just waiting to get the hell out of Dodge, man. You're you're just, you're, you're looking at that clock just clicking, you know, ticking down to get the hell out of town. There is nothing left for him to do here.
0: The way it seems to me, if I'm Shinsuke Nakamura and I'm being offered another contract, I am signing that son of a bitch as fast as you can put it in front of me. I'm barely having to work when I do have to work. It ain't nothing like the G1. It's nothing like anything going on in New Japan. This is like a retirement home for Shinsuke Nakamura. If you're going to offer me a contract, I'm going to sign it.
1: I don't know. I think at this point, though, you know, he... He can boom so much. Again, uh heading out there. This travel sucks, you know, he's going out there working the house shows every night. But you're right. I mean, he's getting into the regular routines. It's not like he's gotta go out there with the big spotlight on on his back each and every night. He's got, you know, a half-assed routine here. And I guess his it comes age? Down to I don't know. I think he can make so much money controlling the schedule out there. He's one of those people I think's got to the point where he can control what he wants to do. He can take extended periods off of it, but he still go get that book, that big booking fee. Yeah, And that, that that's one of the benefits of ultimately going to the WWE. Even if they run you into the damn ground, your booking fee just skyrocketing.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm going with Rusev over Strong. Are you in the
1: same mindset? Most certainly. Rusev over Strong here. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe they can come up with something for him uh, heading into, I guess, what do you think? You know, I guess his goal at WrestleMania, not even a lot of airtime, just make the main card.
0: Yeah, just make the card. On a seven-hour show. Uh, the Bar defending their SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships against the best tag team in the world, The Miz and Shane O'Mac. Huckleberry, I I really... Everything tells me it's going to be The Miz and Shane taking these titles, and then they're going to split them up. And it's going to be Miz versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. But I'm hoping that that was the plan and they have pivoted because this has become quite the guilty pleasure for me. Shane and Miz have incredible chemistry. The last thing they need to do is win the championships in their first matchup. I want to see these guys chase the bar all the way to WrestleMania and get their WrestleMania moment of becoming the SmackDown Tag Team Champions on the grandest stage of them all. I like these guys together as a team.
1: I like them as a team, but I like them together in any dynamic. And I think, you know, we're going to get both. We're going to get both of that. I think what we're ultimately going to get here, as I know you're not in favor of it, I think they're going to win these these titles. And you're going to see something very similar to uh, AJ and Jericho from a couple of years ago. That's what I'm because, expecting. I think that's what everybody's expecting, though, isn't well, it? I, I, yeah, and, I, and the reason I think you're getting that there, you know, everyone – I've seen a couple of people out there, maybe this they turn on each other here, that it starts here. I think everyone's getting a little over excited anticipating all of this mania stuff to kick off this weekend, because let's not forget we've got two marquee events in between. it. we got elimination chamber and fast lane. And, and it's so, it's so draining trying to get through those. You need something that's going to pull. And I think the dynamic of those two as your champions, you know, having Shane and Miz who are two of your more recognizable faces in the company walking around with some gold, you know that's that's going to generate some interest for wrestlemania
0: season and yeah i just i don't want to see him break up i want to see these two stick together and ride it out until they just have an amicable split and the miz turns 100% completely babyface and he is the face of smackdown live going into fox just like he said he wanted to be a year ago when the fox deal seemed like it was going to happen
1: here, here's my worry, though. Like we're, we're talking, you know, if, if you want them to have that moment and capture gold at Mania, then you never should have started this right now, because yeah. that's a long way to pull out them chasing. I mean, that's essentially, and the worst part is, you know, is three, it's three not three and a half months.
0: It, it's not really that long. It's just inside of a WWE context, Wait, it feels like freaking say, forever.
1: You, you you trust them to get that right? No, that's the problem. That's the problem.
0: Uh, so we're going with the greatest tag team in the world winning the titles. Oh.
1: And, and, and obviously, like we've seen a little bit of, you know, where it seems like they're going to try on Raw. Uh, this SmackDown division is still in shambles. And I think that they're just hoping by putting those belts on Shane and Miz that it, it saves I don't know, or whatever, you know, gives some kind of saving grace to that division. Because I don't trust anyone else in that division to keep this thing going that long.
0: I'm also expecting at the Royal Rumble that we will finally see the in-ring attire that the Miz has picked out for himself and Shane McMahon. That's the part of this match that I'm most looking forward to. And I also expect it to be sweatpants and a baseball jersey. I expect the Miz will dress like Shane, not Shane dressing like the Miz. Let's go ahead and talk about the WWE fruit. You know, you know what?
1: You know what i really like? i like, you know, as you're talking about bringing these guys together I'd really like you to have that backstage segment in the pre-show where Miz actually introduces the baseball Jersey and the sweats. And then Shane comes back and says, you know what, bud, I thought about it. And Shane breaks out the Miz gear. Oh, that would be great.
0: That'd be a nice moment. Uh, the WWE fruit loop championship of the universe, Barack Lesnar will be taking on Finn Balor for the championship of the universe. Uh, Rick, nobody is giving Finn Balor any kind of a chance going into this match. In fact, it seems that most people are so freaking delusional that they think this is going to be a squash. I expect this is going to be another in a list of great Brock Lesnar matches that we have gotten recently. It's going to be just like the AJ Styles match. It's going to be just like the Daniel Bryan match. I expect it to go 15 to 17 minutes. Now, the question is, does Finn Balor have... Any chance of winning the WWE Championship of the Universe?
1: I think you know. I I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to come out here and just see a couple moves. This thing is done in minutes. And I think you know. I think they kind of foreshadowed that. They've shown that Finn can use that speed and agility to get some shots. And more so, that scene is that seems to have aggravated Brock. So now he's going to want to go out there and toy with toy with him. You know, to really put him through. You know, putting through the gauntlet of punishment, you know, coming from the beast and and going back to, you know, to that Rocky Forest philosophy where big Russian dude kind of punches himself out. Yep. And here you go. Now. Now, Balor can start picking his shots. You know, I thought I, I really think they've been doing a, a tremendous job of building him as that as that baby, that true baby underdog. And even more so to the point, like you're saying, people just still can't can't get in. Like they, they still believe like there's no way even in great storytelling, you know. There's no way he's still going to get freaking just destroyed here.
0: Any chance that we get a swerve finish and Finn walks out as the fruit loop
1: champion of the universe? I'm, I'm of the mindset, you know, giving, giving 12 minutes and that's enough to elevate it. That's enough shine for him uh, to, to move him on where, you know, maybe he does, he is challenging for the intercontinental championship at WrestleMania, which I think is, would be a a good enough platform for him, Uh, a fair enough position on the card. I just think that they have it's because of the time of year, you know, if this thing was going down at SummerSlam, I, you know, I'd almost be in favor of him. I just think because of it's WrestleMania season and they're going to want Brock, you know, uh, you know, everything full go with Brock at WrestleMania there. You know, they're looking for that big challenger I, again, though. I don't necessarily know who the hell that is at this point. It's they don't have any damn mega stars uh, to step up into that spotlight with him. So they're hoping that Brock can carry that on his own.
0: I'm going with Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor is going to beat Brock Lesnar. I think it's going to be because of Braun Strowman.
1: Okay. And see, to me, that's almost as bad as him just getting squashed. Oh, I agree. But that's what I'm expecting to happen. Sorry. Thank God this week when they had the interaction with them that we didn't get a hey little buddy.
0: Uh, I, I, I think Braun Strowman is going to help Finn Balor win the Fruit Loop Championship of the universe. And then if we have Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania... Because I don't feel like that is a foregone conclusion with everything going on with Daniel Cormier at this point. Um, So if we have Brock Lesnar, you do Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. I don't think that that match has any more or any less intrigue if the Universal Championship is on the line.
1: Uh, You know, ultimately, because this would be what, the third, fourth time we've seen this thing? Yes. Uh, Braun has fallen short each and every time. I just don't even know universal championship or not. It doesn't scream a WrestleMania main event to me at all. I know you got the the big behemoth. It looks great on a marquee, but knowing the backstory, knowing that every time Brock shows up, that Braun just ultimately turns into the the bitch among among bitches uh, is a complete turnoff, but just, just kind of popped in my head. Let's, let's do a little swerve here. Braun helps Finn win the universal championship. All right. It's a big celebration. You know, we've got the first champ back. The man who never lost the title has regained it, who was denied even opportunity time after time. He gets the assistance from the the big man. They have conquered the beast. Well, what if at one of these next two events, uh, maybe, you know, at the next one, elimination chamber, Braun takes the belt off of off of Balor. Well, and that's we the
0: other thing that you got to play into this too, and that's kind of what I'm thinking: is you have the elimination chamber, you're, you know, you're going to want at least one of those titles inside of the elimination chamber, and it seems logical to me that it would be the Raw Championship. Don't you want the Universal Championship at least on the show for the build to WrestleMania? That's what
1: I would think. So you could get two. You could get two matches out of that. I mean, you could have you know the another David and Goliath situation. Where now you've essentially, you've reestablished Braun as this kind of, okay, yeah, you helped him win it, but what was your motive, man? Because you knew you couldn't beat Brock, but you could go after this little guy. I mean, what kind of week? So you put him back in that monster, you know, that, not even so much monster heel, but that bastard heel, that, you know, that big bastard heel spot. Uh, you have two matches with those two, and then let's flip the whole dynamic. So Braun's out there boasting, I'm going to WrestleMania, blah, 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 I outsmarted everyone, you know. And then hit Lesnar's music and it comes out and then you could set up where Lesnar's going in chasing as somewhat of a baby against, a, you know, the bastard Braun as the champ who finagled his way and took the easy road to, to gaining the universal championship. To me, that might be enough way to, to put uh, it's scum. Uh, our- Right. It's, it's the scum storyline
0: where, right. where, where we all, we just want the title off of Brock Lesnar. We just want our title back. We have to get the title back from Brock Lesnar. And then Braun Strowman wins the title and he's just being a complete dickhead to everybody. And we're like, oh my God, we need Brock Lesnar. The only chance that we have to get the title off of right. Braun Strowman is Brock Lesnar. Right.
1: It's, it's the scum storyline. It's right. absolutely genius. And I think yeah, and then you've you've got your big behemoths off for your marquee, but we've switched the whole dynamic, and you've built at least you know in my eyes that adds a little interest to that thing. Hey, I want to cheer Brock Lesnar, right? and especially if if you think if he is getting set up for a UFC fight, you want people cheering your guy at the UFC fight. Maybe you don't want them hating. You want people to be believing in in the WWE and the WWE Universal Champion going into something like that into the summer.
0: Now, obviously, it would seem that the odd man out in this entire equation becomes Seth Rollins. What, uh, again, do, what, what does Seth Rollins do for WrestleMania?
1: That that is a good point, point. and it, you know, I that's something that has been you know regularly reported, but I don't, I've never really bought into that.
0: They should have done it at fucking SummerSlam. Is when they should have done it when Rollins was hotter than hell. That's when they should have done it. They
1: missed it. Well, it's just money on the table. Could we do a complete? Could we do a. He went. I know we we're going to talk about the Rumble here. Winning or not, could we Could we somehow uh, finagle our way to Rollins versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship at, at WrestleMania?
0: Absolutely. That, that could be in play. That's, that's an interesting possibility as well. Plus, of course, we also have the Ambrose thing. I mean, you could always default to Ambrose versus Rollins, although I really don't want to see that program last all the way until Mania. Uh, let's talk about Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan defending the WWE Championship against AJ Styles. Uh, Monday night on Raw, we, we, we had the Daniel Bryan thing. I thought it was great that he kept refusing to get into the ring. That was my favorite part of the entire promo. Uh, do, are you... Any chance that we pivot here and we
1: make the move to AJ? Well, I guess that is the big rumor. This goes back to the hype with Randy. They want to build Randy Orton as that champ going into the Fox deal. But again, like why would you have to pull that at WrestleMania? Because we're still we're still what nine months away right. from from that even you know, even going down here. I mean, there's so much
0: that can play out. Let's talk about Randy for a second, okay? Because we saw Randy make his grand return Tuesday on SmackDown Live, and he comes out and he RKO's Samoa Joe. Like the last time we saw Randy Orton, he was this vile heel, but now he's RKOing vile heels. Like, couldn't we just? Oh well, Randy's a
1: babyface now. No, I thought we went through this. Then we got through this for like six weeks. Randy,
2: Randy, orton, being Randy. Randy, orton. Randy being Randy.
1: Randy being Randy. Uh Randy B and Randy printed on a T because that's all you need to know. It's Randy B and Randy. He he does he does whatever he wants. Yeah, he is a vile, disgusting bastard. He is a snake in the grass. He doesn't care about anyone. He cares about Randy Orton. That's all he cares about, and that's what we see.
0: So, what do you think? AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, I I I, I everything feels to me like Bryan retains the title here, and AJ goes off and does something else.
1: You know what, kind of we got—we're just talking about useless titles. How things aren't getting any attention given into them. And we got all of these great guys walking around who could represent different divisions. I mean, you could have like the greatest lineup of champions in the history of the company right now. But we got these people floating around, you know, just fighting for a couple positions here. And especially in a in a universe where there are all these superstars and no megastars, I, I you almost want to beat your head against a fucking wall over this, but. Yeah, where do you go with it? And it, that's that's one of these things. Where do you go with some of these people? You know, how are they going to fall in line? I mean, what is the intrigue on that grand stage of WrestleMania?
0: So, what do you think, Huckleberry Styles, Brian? Who's walking out WWE champ?
1: I think going forward, I think what you've got is so hot right now with Daniel Bryan. I don't know how you how you mix that up, man. Uh, he, when it comes to the male side, you know, he's he's really the the only thing of intrigue that you got going on. Uh, for the red and the blue. You got to write it out. But hey, just, just coming through, uh, we and I see a tag tagged us in a, a message over on Facebook and Homie Media Discussion Group. Uh, I, I know uh, you, you know that I'm a foodie. But do you follow my page at all, uh, Live Food or Guy? Uh, I I think
0: I follow the page, but I mostly see bit. you sharing stuff.
1: It's, it's me sharing. Uh, well, of course, uh, with the Royal Rumble being in Phoenix, the, the culinary team over at Chase Field, they have introduced the Royal Rumble Burger uh, for, the, for this weekend. Uh, this is it's a cut uh, pork bratwurst topped with uh, crispy slaw. Looks like we've got some uh, fried onions in there, lots of bacon uh, on an onion roll. And then all that is topped with a couple deep fried mac and cheese wedges. So that's the Royal Rumble Burger. So Daniel Bryan has taken the Twitter. Chase oh, Field- Jesus Christ. Chase Field should be ashamed of themselves. Made from factory farm pigs uh, and an intelligent and extremely social ma- um, mammal and cheese from cows. Oh, he's all over on this thing. A cheese from cows whose babies were ripped away from them. Then add the heart the heart disease delivered to the people who eat it. Hashtag shame. Hashtag the worst generation.
0: Oh, angry vegan Kurt Cobain. You strike again. Yeah, Brian's doing some great work right now. Really enjoying what he's doing. All right, let's talk about uh, the, the, the big one here. Asuka takes on Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'm going with Asuka over Strong here, man. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, whether it's going to be by hook or by crook or what is going on, but I have
1: to go with Asuka over Strong. Uh, Again, you know, one thing I like about is like breaking the show down, looking at each of them. I can see almost every one of these matches going in so many different directions. And I think that's kind of exciting is, you know, for if it's the first time in a long time. We don't know what direction they're going, and some of the po- you know the possibilities are pretty exciting. That uh, they could they could really build into some big things for WrestleMania. I feel like we do that every year like this, and then afterwards it's like they did what? This right. is the road to WrestleMania. But you know, this at least this is the excitement. You know, I feel like we're building up to Christmas morning here, where there's so much potential. What's under the tree? What what great gifts can we unwrap? I could easily see Oscar surviving here. I, I think it's it, it lends to her. It gives it. it I think she it, has the, to. Doesn't she? I think it, is it one of those things where we almost start going back to TLC? If she didn't, she was, you know, she was done. I mean, so if, if, it's, if it's this short of a reign, is she done? So she hold on to this thing. I could she never see- pinned
0: Becky to win the title. She didn't beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. If she loses to Becky at the Royal Rumble, she is immediately defined down into the second tier of women on SmackDown.
1: I, I agree with you. I want to go a little further though. On the flip of this, you know, we always say step back and take a, take another angle on it. I would be perfectly okay with her winning clean. I think Beth, Becky is above that right now. I do as well. I think you know, going back, especially in a, in a Rumble setting, and we're looking at potential for. You know, maybe Becky loses this match. She comes out mad and, and enters herself in the women's match uh, again. I think you know. Wednesday over the locker room, I, I put over idea that she wins the men's be- the, the men's Royal Rumble, which yeah. I think you know could be a, another great possibility. I really want to see. You know, I know we're talking about Finn Balor winning the championship, but if Brock retains that thing, I so want to see Becky go out there and stand toe to toe with the beast and just kind of poke him in the stomach or poking in the belt, you know, as he's got it over his shoulder. Maybe I'm coming for you. <laughs> I get to choose the champion, that I was—I I just think that would be so. I mean, the the moment that it's in, but I think you could out—you could just the press that you could pull off of that thing would, would be unbelievable. I would love to see something like that, but but overall, you know, she gets a comparison to Stone Cold all the time. So if it was a Rumble, you know, a Rumble scene, we could see Stone Cold take a loss earlier in the night and then come out and put on an incredible performance inside that match and just kind of save all, you know, get that shine back for himself. And I think ultimately what you're looking at here is you've got to keep Oscar strong. you got to keep her. She's not at that level of, you know, the Shar char or the Becky right now, but she's, she's right. She's in that middle tier. She's on that second tier. Now, do you want to try to elevate her or are you going to really define everyone below your, your two alphas right now?
0: Yep, exactly. That's, I mean, you can, you can make Oscar right here. This would do it. I'm even down for an Oscar heel turn. I like Oscar jumping Becky Lynch on SmackDown. Behind her back, I'm I'm full on with Oscar speaks only Japanese, so you stupid Americans can't understand what it is that she's got to say, and that's why she's so overly flamboyant. I am, I'm totally all in on Oscar right now. Let's talk about the other women's championship: Rousey taking on Sasha Banks. Of course, I've laid out this situation before, where I think Sasha is going to become the Raw Women's Champion. So yeah, that means Becky's not champion. And Rousey's not champion. That's right. This is how we're going towards this triple threat, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm pretty sure that's where this is all going to end up. And we'll talk about it at the end of the show here. Uh, So I'm going with Sasha over and it's going to be because of Becky. Rousey cost Becky the title at
1: TLC. Time for Becky to repay the favor. Well, that's where I, go, I want to go back. You know, we're talking about if Oscar could go clean. I, you know, I really, I wouldn't mind it. I think we are going to get some kind of interference here. There, there's just so much on the line. You know, is is it going to be, and I don't really, I don't necessarily think it's going to be Char Char because I mean, we've still got that heat. But I think ultimately, if you're going to build to that, that group getting back together, you want to move away from that. So it, it all comes down to how these matches are placed on this card.
0: Yes, that's going to play a huge part in this you entire know, show. Of,
1: of who strikes first. Uh, Or, hey, could could we do the, you know, God forbid, you know, we do some business on the pre-show. Could we get a run-in between people in the back that kind of sets up some heat? Uh, Again, going back to my idea that Bailey triggers this thing the night before. You know, there's Baszler and her crew showing up at the Rumble pissed off. You know, they're going to come snapping the fingers, walk around the back like the Cobras looking to strike. Yeah. What what could set this thing off, and how this card is going to be laid out is going to is going to be so important to you know to who could interfere, where who's who's going at who, and again, it's one of the things that's exciting about about what we've got here at the rumble.
0: And now we're hearing the reports that after WrestleMania, Rousey's done. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how this is breaking news. I basically told all of you a year ago that I expected this was going to be mania to mania, and that was going to be the Rousey run. So I'm not really sure how this is breaking news, but Meltzer said it. So now the internet is losing their freaking minds. Uh, are we going to do horsewomen versus horsewomen? Is there still a demand for that? Because if I've only got Rousey until mania, that is not even remotely close to my radar because Shafir and Duke are not ready.
1: here's here's another let's get back to uh to ronda's status uh it is my understanding that the deal is not dead at wrestlemania now she might be stepping away she wants to go have that kid but there still will be some activity between the two parties she still will be involved because anyone out there and actually i reached out to some people that were kind of like this is probably it she's going to step away from the ring you know to either look at you know they want to have that kid. I think she's got some other options that are you know being presented to her, maybe for some film, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so there might be some other projects on the table as well. But and really think about this, there's no way in hell that Fox would have invested all that around Rhonda. damn well knowing because do you think that they're so so stupid that they're not going to check their contract status? what her availability is going to be, there will be a working relationship with Ronda. Now, with having the kid, that pretty much is going to put her on the shelf for anything major for a year. At least, yeah. Uh, you know, going through the, you know, carrying to birth, and just really getting more, you know, re with being a, a you know, your, your training method while as a new mother, mm-hmm. it, it's, that's a great undertaking. But, you know, within a year, you could start seeing her resurface around, you know, road to WrestleMania in some capacity. Uh, as they air on Fox, she could drop in for guest spots, you know, just doing the promo the promo spots to you know draw some attention to the new product on their on their programming. And I have <coughs> enough faith in Baszler
0: that she can just keep bringing Rhonda up randomly throughout her promos
1: so she still stays relevant whether she's there or not. Right. And I think you know, ultimately you WWE know and that's why they were trying to get the most out of her for this year, so that she could step away at some point and and more, you know, as we've always kind of said that would have done more for her is in that Lesnar role. I think that's what we're going to see from her. She's going to come and do some spots. She did establish, you know, hey, she wanted to be a part of this. She was out traveling. She was on the road, and we've given her credit for that. Now she's going to fall into the role that was probably she's more suited for. And that's going to be in these guest spots. She's going to go hit the PR trail, speak well, be a great ambassador for WWE. That's what we're going to get. It's not like, all right, thanks for the year. Thanks for the the huge contract. I'm out of here. And ultimately, anyone out there that thinks that Fox didn't do their research is just damn fooling themselves, or they're just a marked But So I, it does bring me back here. Now, maybe maybe this has been accelerated, where they thought maybe they could have extended her maybe into the summer a little bit, where they could have worked some programs. Is there, is there just as much in the triple threat, or do you try to force the team match? Now, I know the other two aren't exactly ready, but you could hide a lot with eight people in there.
0: I think they go triple threat. I still think they go triple threat because, well, I have other plans for other WWE horsewomen at WrestleMania,
1: and more ultimately to me. I mean, what kind of business do you do? Here's what I'd really love to see: you go with the triple threat. Ronda loses, uh, and the others see that as an embarrassment, and we get kind of what has been, you know, a, a trend at New Year's Dash where they kick her ass out the next night. Firing squad. Yep. See ya. I can, I can you know get what? behind that. You know what, Rhonda? You spent the whole year being catered to, given everything, while we have been busting our ass to get here. And you went out at WrestleMania. You've got you're getting all the accolades as being as a, the one of the headliners in the first women's main event, and you did that. You're you're no flag bearer for this for this division. We are taking it right now. Kick her ass out.
0: I can get behind that. Let's uh let's move to what I expect is going to be the opening match on the show. Uh last year at the Royal Rumble, we saw them bookend the show. We saw the women's rumble open. We saw the men's rumble close. Was is that right? Or no, oh, it was no. the other way around. Other way, yeah. The, yeah, men's, the, other way. the men's the men's open and the women's close, because we closed with Rousey. Yeah. Uh this year, I think the women's rumble is going to open. That's how I'm gonna kick off this year's show. Uh Rick, how would you break this thing down? Like how 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 do you wanna talk about these rumbles and what, what you want to do here?
1: Well, you know, just overall, I guess I just give you like a generalization going in, uh, kind of what I thought about the build, uh, maybe, you know, who I'm expecting, how I'd like to see this thing, you know, the blend of current talents, with surprises, things like that, uh, overall expectations. I just, I'll just give you like the big, the big picture. Very disappointed in in how they have presented this thing and marketed this thing this year. Especially, you know, last year you're so over the top, uh, you know, and you're looking for that great PR moment. Everything is lady balls, lady balls, lady balls, uh, you know, front and center everywhere. We haven't seen her anywhere on this damn thing.
0: This year it's all about Twitter.
1: Well, then, you know, I've tried putting over. I like the idea, and this is on me because I read the headline, and I guess I didn't dive in enough to what they were actually doing. When they did that release last week where it ended up being every 30 minutes they just tweeted it. In my mind, you know, I go into this marketing mind, what a great opportunity. Let's make this like the March Madness reveal. That's what I thought they were going to do. And I thought that would have been a, an incredible idea, especially around when you really haven't been building this thing up. Give me a half hour, nice little program on social media, Facebook Live, Twitter, whatever, where you're giving me nice packages. Why I should care about these people that are being invested. Just make it just like the NC, like the March Madness reveal. But no, we got every 30 minutes. They just tweeted a name, correct? Yeah. After I saw the first one with Charlie, I stopped paying attention because it was like so it, it was such a, a a miss from what I believed it was going to be. I was completely turned off by it. Didn't give it a second thought uh, right now. Uh, I think that they have announced 21 women. Yes. And it's no surprise. It's just it's damn near everyone that they have available between the red and the blue, which again, it, oh, wow. You know, if you're not a championship match, you're in the rumble here. I would love to see, like I said, you know, earlier in the show, I really want to see Ripley here. I think she she is gonna be the next alpha. I think she's got she has it written all over her. I'd love to see, love to see her get some shine here in this match. When it comes to like the returns, I think they overdid that last year. Yeah, they really and, did. And you could really tell the girls that are working regularly, they have trouble going over that top for a spill it seemed like every elimination because what they have like almost half the field last year was returns, right? Yeah. Legends, if you will. Yeah. Quote unquote legends. Yeah. So every, every elimination was go over the rope, stand there, fall on your ass onto the apron and then roll onto the floor. Yep. That was every, every elimination, maybe outside of one, that was every elimination. So I'd really like to see a blend. If we've got 10 spots to go. And I want to see like eight of them go to the other brands, and then maybe only you know seven or eight of them go to the other brands, and only two or three surprise ones. You know, give us the bang for the buck uh, instead of just flooding over you know oversaturating it.
0: I'm I'm with you. I I think um, I I'm kind of looking at Kyrie Sane, Eo Shiray. Tony storm women that we like saw at evolution that do have a little bit of history with the main roster audience. Those, those are the obvious ones to kind of look at. Rhea Ripley is another good example. Um, I
1: think she's getting some rub like a mighty Casey.
0: Yeah, that would be a good one. And plus you could do a really, really cool spot with Rhea Ripley, just picking up mighty Casey and throwing her like five rows deep. Um, My surprise entrance. I have two. Uh, I want to see Miko Satomura. Because I think her run in the May Young Classic, I think if anybody came out of the May Young Classic more over than she was coming into it, it was Miko. And I think that she deserves that. Uh, and my other surprise entrant is Caitlyn. Uh, we saw Caitlyn make a bit of a return at the May Young Classic. I, I'm going to throw her in there as my big surprise return slash legend. And if we do anything more with her, cool. And if not, I'm cool with that, too.
1: And, you know, because what they did last year with so many of the legends coming back, I don't know if any of them really get a big pop of the big ones. I know Keatling isn't like the biggest name. You know, outside of like an AJ Lee, I don't think anyone really moves a needle, you know, in that arena because we've seen it. You know, we've seen it already. And I don't want to
0: see Trish and Lita. I've seen enough Trish and Lita in the last year. I don't need to see them at the Royal Rumble this year.
1: And I know we're already getting, you know, rumblings, no pun intended, about them you know, potentially challenging the new women's champs at WrestleMania. So I don't need to see them here. You know, you know keep them out of sight, out of mind until that moment, if they're going to go with that. Hell, I'm thinking about it. I can't even really think of a, you know what would know be a, a great pop, just as in almost like in that celebrity spot, as we see like the Drew Carey's, Sydney Lopper. And then the next night announced that she's going in the hall. That'd be cool. Uh, here's one that's not
0: going to happen, but I would love to see. How about Gail Kim? Can we get Gail Kim in the Rumble? <laughs> yeah, all this her Barry and Vince on Twitter. It's just to remind Vince, oh yeah, I'm still here. Can I can I be in the Rumble? No, you're a racist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what about like a Karma and Naya showdown? Would it would that Ooh, be the needle be... at all? Yeah, but you know, we saw Karma up
0: at Starcast, and she's she's not that big, intimidating monster anymore. She looks yeah.
1: great. It would all be about how you'd have to shoot that thing for television. And I think it would be exposed in the arena. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, because Allison Kay was, like, towering over her. I mean, if you were, like, who was going to be the dominator between those two? And, you know, Carverhead, you could tell. She's, she's enjoying the TV life, where they can just shoot as, as that larger than life. And
0: You betcha. Uh, potential winners. Obviously... Charlotte's the favorite everybody is expecting Charlotte to win this thing now I'm just going to throw this out there you'll notice in my other predictions I have Asuka retaining the Smackdown Live Women's Championship and I have Sasha Banks winning the Raw Women's Championship Huckleberry your precious Sharsha doesn't need to win this thing because I don't think that her match at WrestleMania doesn't even need a title
1: can't you just mm-hmm. do that triple threat no, because you want the ultimate marketing. You want, you want a championship on there. Championships bring eyes to it because it, it just elevates. It elevates the game, especially in a, something like WrestleMania where you're looking more at general eyes. So you, you need something like that. And anytime time that you've got Ronda, she's going for championship fights. So it, it's relatable to the consumer. You've got to have a title on the line there to me. Not that you necessarily – that will change the match, but it's going to change the magnitude of the build going into it. I think you got Charlotte, but it's one of those things. Again, I, I am worried that it, it it just completely pushes her into Roman Reigns territory where I she's agree. right. Right now, she's been able to save a little grace there because you've got somebody like Becky, who's so hot and getting it, which get people that are interested with what Sasha's, you know, Sasha's getting back to being a little bit like the boss taking on Rousey. So Charlotte's been able to kind of take a step back you know, if you push her to that forefront again, uh, that worries me, especially being uh, you know, a great Char Char fan. One of the reasons I don't think that this thing is going to open is because I think what happens in those championship matches leaves a lot of intrigue for this women's match. Uh, you know, if Becky loses, is she going to enter this thing? If Rhonda loses, she going to get involved, you know, or, or the other MMA horsewomen, is, is something going to go down here? I think there's a lot more interest being driven by this hot triple threat in the women's rumble. So, to me, there's not even that much intrigue in the men's rumble, although they've done a great job promoting it. You know, it has been weekly. We've been finding out who's going to be in the thing. They're reminding us about it. But there's not like as we're talking about potential for hot stories. I mean, what is there?
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, obviously, it's Becky Lynch winning the men's rumble. That's how I go off the air.
1: But again, I think you know, that, that would be something you're, you're going to turn heads, man. That That would be great.
0: That's how I go off the air is with Becky pointing at the WrestleMania sign after winning the Men's Royal Rumble. That's why. That's why I have the Men's Rumble close the show.
1: If if that's your finish, then yeah, you know. But if you're going to keep it, do you cross too much of a line with the man thing? Then do you open up? I I had this conversation. I had this conversation. A lot more intergender matches, like on regular programming.
0: I had this conversation just last night. Aren't people going to rebel against that? No, no, men get. Or or, or not men, people get upset when a man wins the first ever women's money in the bank ladder match. That pissed a lot of people off because once again, the women couldn't do what the men could do. In this case, I think this would be applauded all across all public platforms. Look at the the, the platform that they're giving. They realize that Becky Lynch is their hottest star and they put her in the hottest spot. And look at this huge ovation, 40,000 people chanting Becky, 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 and making history and blah, 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 blah. I don't see any way that this is rejected in any kind of a mainstream level.
1: Well, then you could easily come out and say, you know what? You, you got your way into this thing, but we're not going forward. You, you tease it for a little bit. Tease it for a couple of weeks, but then, you know, eventually come out and make an official statement. Okay. You're not going. You're not challenging Brock Lesnar. Yes. So then you actually have the intrigue. Okay. Well, we're good. And have Stephanie. You want to get her involved? in the middle of the scene to give her a spotlight. I think she would be pretty good in this spot, actually, where Stephanie's going to invite both of them to the ring and they're going to decide one of them's going after the Royal championship. One of them is going after the, the SmackDown championship. And then we get to where they come together. And this goes back to, you know, Sasha would have to lose Ronda retains, but they come together. You know what I want? I want Ronda. So she's like, you know what? you both get Ronda. We're making a triple threat. We'll find something else out for Oscar.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be the logical booking there
1: well, and then on the flip side of that, I'd somehow give Sasha because I think Sasha—if you give her the ball, she can run with this thing as well. I'd go back to what I said before. I, I, I'd, I'd give, uh, I'd give it to Sa- Oscar and Sasha. I think that could be a great undercard championship match.
0: On the other hand, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument that we don't have Charlotte win the rumble that that we've got two pay-per-views in between here. We can do something else to set this thing up and just to swerve everybody. We're going to establish a different contender for WrestleMania. We have plenty of time to set up this triple threat. Is there anybody else that you could view as a potential winner of this year's Royal rumble, other than your precious Sharshar?
1: You know, again, unless Becky enters, uh, I, I could see Baszler.
0: Baszler, that's a good one.
1: Um, uh, outside of that, I just don't think you've got anyone with the star power that that's, that's tr- that intriguing. I think it almost it almost feels a lot like a Nakamura winning last year, where it's kind of like, eh. Uh.
0: What if, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to throw it out there. What if Sasha Banks by Crook beats Ronda Rousey and Bayley wins the Royal Rumble? No interest. What about Alexa Bliss winning the Royal Rumble?
1: I I think you need more to rebuild Bliss right now. I think she has fallen. We were talking about those tears. I agree,
0: man. But, man, that pop that she got on Monday when she announced that she was going to be in the Rumble was pretty impressive.
1: I think you got to have her be one of the contenders there. I just think when it ultimately, Bliss does a lot of great things. But when it comes to the athleticism for something like a WrestleMania, I don't know if she's got it as the other ones. If you're talking and and she doesn't have the steam and they try to highlight her in these, you know, character segments. And I don't think it was any fault of her own. She's doing the best she could with them, but they were just so bad that she continued to drop
0: awful segments. A moment of bliss should have been really, really cool. And the the writing has just been awful. Uh, Let's go ahead. Let's talk about the men's rumble. Um, Surprise entrance. I've got a whole freaking list here, man. Do you got a, a, a list of surprise entrants that you want to see in this year's rumble?
1: I'll play through your list, man. I know we got
0: 21 announced. We have 21 announced. Uh, I I'm going to go through a couple of call-ups. I guess we'll start with that. Um, I do think that Alistair black could be in the Royal rumble. Obviously I expect EC three to debut in the Royal rumble. Velveteen dream could very easily show up and eliminate John Cena. Um, abyss. Obviously, we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Bray Wyatt, I expect, will return at the Royal Rumble. I have heard rumblings of Kevin Owens may have a deal kind of like Braun had on Monday night where he has a limited contact thing. So you may see him come in like number three and be eliminated very, very early. He can throw a temper tantrum. Uh, Sammy Zayn has been spotted at the Performance Center. That's a possibility. Uh, A couple of other legends that I could see coming back. Big Show. We haven't seen in a while. We know that he can go. Uh, He's always fun to have around for the Royal Rumble. Kane, I would love to see that Kane and Abyss spot. But the two that I really want to see in this year's Royal Rumble is X-Pac, Sean Waltman. I think uh, he's probably the, the biggest branch that you have going back to the Attitude Era of guys that I could see in the ring just show up, do a nice guest spot. And how about your namesake? How about R V D, Rob Van Dam. Can we get him in the Royal Rumble this year for
1: God's sake? I was gonna say, do does certainly when we have any ties to like that area? Some big names that are because we always kind of look for those, like those local when you think professional, the Bellas, wrestling, you know, Phoenix, in the women's rumble, really the Bellas. I mean they they've got well, Phoenix I, I ties. Think, uh, you know, as I said, you know, this is gonna be aired. Uh they are going on to promote something. That could just be that they're going to the Rumble or or beyond. You we, we don't know. Uh, but I liked, I the all the list that you said, and we were putting over, I know when you say things like Big Show and stuff like that, some people out there that just need to get over themselves. This could be a very beefy rumble, and they have some of those big guys in there like that, if you're talking about uh, reinforcing our ring.
0: Hell yeah, man, if you can get Braun, Big Show, Kane, and Abyss, Abyss. all in the ring at the same freaking time, that oh, would be a cool moment.
1: Think of that visual, man.
0: Hell, dude, just have those four guys clear everybody out. And then it's like the four corners from
1: hell. You know what I'd kind of like to have a run where they're all in there? Uh, and they all come in right after Baron Corbin. So they all just walk <laughs> Corbin's <past. laughs> ass.
0: Uh, Baron Corbin is my pick for 29, by the way, my pick for number 29 in the Royal Rumble, because everybody expects our truth is supposed to be 30. We we've had that stooged off and anybody not named Kenny Omega is going to get booed out of the freaking building. So I go with Baron Corbin.
1: Well, no, this goes to yours. You know, you're going with Corbin at 29 likely or something like that so that you got that heat so that they're going to pop for anybody. Here's what you do, because let's—we've going all the way back. You, you're the one that was the first one to get on this thing, going back to when he won the mixed match challenge. This was a setup for our troop to get confused and try to enter the women's rumble. Yeah. So, let's, so we're going to get that spot. So that's why it goes first, right? Which so leaves goes, thirty
0: open for Becky to come in and, and win it.
1: And that is Becky, and the place goes absolutely insane. Uh, and at this point, hey, would you have? where you're very limited to who's in that ring and and have Becky actually throw Corbin out to win it.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I
2: think so. You
1: think about all the great heat, you know, if it's the good heat or the bad heat, but it is a massive heat. That's on Corbin to have him get eliminated there by of all people, little Becky Lynch.
0: Oh, that would be great. And and Corbin could throw a fit that would be of a, a Kevin Owens like level. And have him come out whining to Stephanie when when Stephanie's like, you no, you can't challenge Brock Lesnar, bring out Corbin and be like, Well, I was the last guy out, so then I get to challenge Brock Lesnar. Yeah, oh yeah, I could totally see that storyline playing out.
1: Oh, oh yeah, that 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 you know that lends to what he's been saying. I was wrongly terminated. Now I got the rumble stolen from me. I mean, what by you a woman, that? yeah. But <laughs> then you know what? And then, it, as a week or two after he's out there bitching about it, just as he's in the ring saying he will not leave the ring, he is the rightful winner. Have uh, Curtis Axel jump the rail coming from behind and throw him over, and <laughs> say that he was effective you know, he was never eliminated. He's the rightful winner. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, well, hey, you know what? Hey, you were talking about a men's match at uh, at the chamber. Yep. Well, at that point, you don't really have a solid men's uh, uh, male winner to go challenge or choose a champion to challenge. So if Becky won, make that your chamber match.
0: To establish the
1: contender to Brock Lesnar. To, well, to whoever it might, you know, any champion of their choosing, right? Either way. Right.
0: Um, Other potential winners, obviously Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is the favorite going into this thing because everything seems like we're building the Seth versus Lesnar, even though we should have done that at SummerSlam last year. Uh, Do you have anybody else on your list of potential guys to win this year's Royal Rumble? Because we do have two pay-per-views to set up another contender to, assumingly, Brock Lesnar or potentially
1: Finn Balor. Well, you know, to talk to Rollins, you know, going in, You know, obviously the favorite. And a lot of people think that's just too obvious, uh, but not necessarily necessarily because they're trying to position him as he is the flag bearer. You know, he is the voice now for for the talent. So so this kind of backs that up. He does what he says he's going to do. And that's exactly what someone like John Cena would do. You know, come out and say, Hey, I'm going to run through everybody. And he goes out and he delivers. That's what you want from somebody in that position. I really liked
0: Seth's promo on Monday night. Raw. I felt like that was a real connection moment with the fans. I thought it was well-written. I thought it was well-delivered. It it felt like a babyface go home promo, you know, something that Roman Reigns hasn't cut in five years, even though he's headlined the last four WrestleManias.
1: And and for the longest time, people have wanted that from Seth. You know, they want to get behind him. They, they, and you know what? He goes out and cuts that promo and delivers in one hell of a match and makes a statement, you know, uh, saying, you know, he's doing what he says he's going to do. He gets a clean victory over over Drew McIntyre. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, like that, like that part or not, at least it, it spoke volumes to what they're doing with Seth right now. I and hated that he, them giving that away. that that he is going to be the guy that says what he, you know, what he says he's going to do, he delivers on. That's Seth Rollins going forward. And I think the only sour note was, is, you know, some people can't get over, you know, in his speech that he would reference MLK and and that wasn't, you know, given to an African-American get over yourself. You know, that was about equality. You know, he was, while he was fighting for, you know, as perceived for, you know, African-American rights, it was actually equality for everyone. So I think you don't see like us Caucasians get mad when someone goes out there and talks about, you know, or something that Kennedy had said. Kennedy was a terrible person.
0: Um, They're all terrible people. They're all terrible people. So obviously we've talked about Becky Lynch and her potential for winning the Royal Rumble. Rick, is there anybody else on the roster that you view kind of as a dark horse? If we're not going to put Seth over, who could win the Royal Rumble?
1: Um, actually, on this current roster, I don't see anybody. I don't see anyone that is in that position. I don't think we just don't have the star power,
0: Man, you got me working hard today. All right I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple more. I, options. I, want,
1: I want I want the absolute finest, man, unless you're gonna bring somebody back like a rock or something. I, I don't think it gets that big of a pop. I don't think you get a big reaction. Huh. you ultimately want to send this thing, you know, send it people home. It's gotta be, I think they'll get behind Seth because they if you know if they know he's gonna be going after Brock, the people are gonna get into that or Becky. And I'm sorry. This is a a world of superstars, and I want a freaking megastar to win my Rumble.
0: Well, here's a couple other options. Uh, Number one, I'm going to throw out the guy who cut the go-home babyface promo on SmackDown Live, Rey Mysterio. I could see uh, Rey Rey winning this thing and challenging Angry Vegan uh, Daniel Bryan, Kurt Cobain, to a a match at WrestleMania. Because, let's face it, Bryan's match is only going to be fourth from the top anyway. Uh, Another guy I'm going to throw out there is Randy Orton. Obviously, we've heard all of the rumors, like you were talking about earlier, and... Of course, the way that they presented him on SmackDown, although I think that's a terrible idea and you're just asking for the Batista treatment all over again. If you make the move to Finn Balor as the champion of the universe, I would go with Drew McIntyre. I could see him winning the Rumble, kind of right along the Seth Rollins train of thought. It's just Finn Balor's a babyface, so we need a big, bad heel. We'll we'll go with Drew McIntyre. And the other one that I'm going to throw out there, if you want to make a star, I would have him challenge Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Not only have Alistair Black as a surprise entrant, have Alistair Black win the fucking rumble, and immediately he's thrust into the main event scene on
1: SmackDown Live. You hear that, crickets? That's what you'll get crickets. from that arena. Almost all those individuals, I think you just get duds. I want, I want a mega star to win this year. I'm sick of these. These go home, either PR stunts or kind of what you know WTF just happened there. I want a megastar. I want a movement moving forward.
0: So that's gonna wrap up things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. and if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the roar network at the gorillaposition dot com. Check out a bunch of our friends like Joe and Carl over at Turnbuckle Talk, and Ryan and Michael at going home. Make sure that you hit up Jamie at lastword on dot com for all of your daily pro wrestling needs. And also subscribe, of course, to Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, so you don't miss Huckleberry and I this Monday over in the locker room doing our absolute best to try to break this entire train wreck down. I'm going to see... Uh, I think me and the Andrew Bello will get together on Saturday night. Get yourself a Takeover Phoenix review. That'll also be available there at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at hdmpwpod, Facebook hitting the marks. Email us, hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. Where do
1: the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, hey, you know, uh, a cool... Cool little uh, situation there for our, our boys who are at the last word on pro wrestling. Getting a shout out on NXT programming uh, a, in a little package with Shayna Baszler. How cool was that? Uh, Super the, cool. One of the homes of our great show, the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. Last word on pro wrestling. Getting the shine, getting a little love from NXT. Very, very cool. Uh, hats off to uh, to Mr. Jamie Greer and his entire staff over there. Uh, tremendous content, uh, as well as tremendous content over at TheGrowPosition.com. Uh, I know uh, over in our little Roar Network chat, Ryan was scooging off some stuff. They have got some big interviews coming up. Uh, some can't misses, especially for you Impact Wrestling fans. You're going to make sure that over the course of the next week that you are regularly visiting TheGrowPosition.com. Uh, but as for myself, you can keep up with all things RBV. At the Real R B V, and of course, with the big Royal Rumble weekend, make sure that you are checking in on Facebook with the Hameen Media Discussion Group.
0: I uh, speaking of Impact Wrestling, I, I better put over the Impact Attack because uh, MSG blowing me up last night because he was pissed off at Huckleberry 3.5, Billy Ray Valentine. He was very, very upset that at the end of the show he was plugging all the shows on Hacker Hameen and he didn't plug the Impact Attack. It sounds like uh, Matthew Shaffer Gage is is coming for Billy Ray Valentine's ass. That'll be a a very interesting story to watch develop on the Impact Attack. Saturdays at HackerHameen.Podbean.com That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday over in in the locker room for now we're off like a prom dress Jargo out
2: Watch your fingers enable me I don't give up f- I'll be your bad guy Draping the blame on me, I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go. Oh. Trapping the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go.